really weird. Yeah. What a juicy boy. Is he like just wet all the time? <laughs> what really? Is it, you know, juice? It's uh, the stuff of wet, I guess. Yeah, I, I could do better if you want. It's funny, my dog started to bark immediately when the show started. Your dog's a bastard. <laughs> yeah, a bastard. my wife is home, uh, supposedly keeping the dog from doing these things, but I guess not. And I'm also trading a Pokemon right now online with uh, Broccoli. Broccoli from Twitter. He's giving me a Deoxys. I'm so excited. It's my fourth Deoxys. Why have you got so many Deoxys? I think they're great. There's only 16 of them in the world. <laughs> they were pretty rare for a while there. I uh, One of the weirdest things I've done is, and I might have told you this already, I pretended to be two children <laughs> uh, of different ages that were siblings. I guess I haven't told you about this. No. Uh, I, there, there was, Deoxys was a rare... Game Boy Advance era Pokemon, uh, event Pokemon. And they never really did an event in the United States, and I'm desperate to have this Pokemon, like thinking about it late at night, can't sleep, like twitching and pinching myself and being like, I want it, you know, just jonesing out for Deoxys. I don't know why. And in England, in the United Kingdom, you could mail your cartridges to Nintendo, and they would put Deoxys on it and mail it back to you. Uh, Game Boy era, you know. Um, But they wouldn't do that for people who lived in the United States. So I got my weird uncle who sounds like Boris Karloff, who's married to the aunt, who's like, no rules, no rules, do as you please. I had like never talked to him before, but I was like, if I use your address for some Game Boy cartridges, and he's like 80, he has no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, long story short, I mailed them to the United Kingdom, but I thought they might catch on. They might, like, figure out that I'm not for real because it's, I don't know, I just was paranoid. So I wrote, like, letters to Nintendo as children with bad (laughs) handwriting and, like, did drawings of Deoxys, like, one with crayons for, like, the five-year-old and then the 12-year-old was a little better but couldn't, like, draw a straight line very well and was like, we just want you to know we love you and thank you. And so they'd be too blinded by child love to be suspicious of my uh, American ways. And I got the Deoxys. That was my first Deoxys. Two of them. You blinded Nintendo with child love. (laughs) They they often get blinded by loving kids. Let's keep saying it. Let's definitely do that. Why did you get two? I wanted all... all, I would have sent five if I could. That is unbelievable. You should have been punished with none. (laughs) For that great, that is like that old fable, that old children's tale we learn as kids about the dog and the river. I don't know that one. The dog has a Game Boy cartridge in its mouth, and it looks in the river and thinks, that dog's got a Game Boy cartridge. It sees its reflection. And the dog looks in the river and says, that dog also has a Game Boy cartridge with a Deoxys on it. I'm going to get his one as well. And then I'll have two Deoxyses. And then he opens his mouth to get the Deoxys out of the other dog's mouth. But because it's in a river and it's his own reflection, his Deoxys falls out of his mouth and lands in the river. No, and that dog... get another Deoxys right that now. That dirty dog. 
got no that dirty, filthy, sexy, bald dog, Jonathan, got no Game Boy Advance cartridges and no Deoxys. And you, you, uh. like Fat Cat off the Rescue Rangers, greedy capitalist, have four. I do. I I've, I had five. I did give one to a guy who gave me a Genosect. Was once. the person you gave it to a 9-11 first responder? Because no. that's, oh, that's the amount of karma you need to get back for lying to Nintendo, the most honest corporation in America and England as well a bit, lying to personally to Reggie Fizamese's face and little Shigeru Moto, who he is innocent, he knows not of the sins of the world and stealing and getting more than your fair share. There's only 16 Deoxys in the world and you stole two of them. Well, you, are, you are as evil as oh, Penny hi. Arcade kickstarting a podcast. Oh wow, perfect. I mean, uh, just purely That's evil. That's unbelievable. I am absolutely- Oh, shocking, shocking. You don't shocking. need Penny Arcade. You don't need that many Deoxyses to record a fucking podcast. Stop asking for Deoxys, Gabe and Tycho, brah. So it's Gabe and Tycho that are asking for the uh, additional money? I'm just catching up on this. I now. don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, they're trying. Well, they used to do a, a podcast back in the day. Um, which I really liked. I really it was liked. Good. I used it to listen was to that. very enjoyable. I listened to it all the time. Uh, it, downloadable content, I think they called it. Um, and they haven't done it for years. It was one of those sort of uh, sporadic. You'd get one, and then you'd get one a few months later, and then they just gave up on it a few years ago because it was never getting done. And now they're kickstarting it to fund it. Yeah, and it was it was very good. But it was you know, very, you know, I wouldn't. Podcast, I, I, it, well, it's a podcast. I. You know, if I were the sort of person who were inclined to pay for podcasts, I would pay for. I wouldn't. I totally understand that. I wouldn't. I'm not a mong. But well, I'm not the person who's inclined to pay for podcasts. Mong. <laughs> so. I don't know. I've said this already. I literally don't understand today. It has been pretty insane. That whole thing, the whole Penny Arcade Kickstarter for their podcast, has changed today. It used to be Wednesday, now it's like fumpf and proud and day. It's just a new kind of day, because I don't know how to react to this. You know, I, 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 I'm i really nor God, I hate, <laughs> I hate, agree, every time I agree with Ben Padden, I mm. die a little bit inside. <laughs> Ben Patton, for people who don't know, made a quite a name for himself for a little while as being one of the first people to get a lot of attention for saying that video game journalists are bad. Um, he was in the right place at the right time because he he touched on something a lot of people were feeling. Oh, yeah. Others and, came uh, before him. Others will come after, but he angry birds to that shit. Yeah, he did a, he did a really <laughs> exceptional he job. Got right and, in. And he's on Twitter right now and talking about this Kickstarter. And I'm I'm I. I don't have a problem with the Kickstarter. I think the Kickstarter's fine. They make a product. They're offering the product. They're putting it in the place where you offer new products and say, hey, fund this and we'll do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter that they're rich. 
I don't give a shit that, you know, if they're rich or not. I don't know how much money they make. I don't know how much of a uh, cost to their bottom line taking the time out to do this podcast weekly would be. Uh, I don't know their inner workings. I'm not going to judge that. It's if they feel like they need to kickstart it and people are willing to pay for it to be kickstarted, that's great. And if they aren't, then they don't do it. And that's fine, too. That's you make a good point. But but you are, if I may be perfectly blunt, a libertarian at heart. I am a woolly liberal. They're rich. Fuck them. (laughs) That's the opinion I'm being told to have. Well, it's like. I don't see how they're harming anybody, and I've seen some argument like, oh, well, it draws attention away from other Kickstarters, but um, what? I don't know if you've been paying attention lately to Kickstarter, but it's entirely a marketing-driven affair, and it's not that they're drawing attention away from it, it's they're drawing attention to their own Kickstarter, just they, like every other Kickstarter does. I think they're drawing attention to the self-parody that Kickstarter's kind of become. I mean, we had the Veronica Mars thing, we had the What's it? That other thing they're kickstarting that that uh, a millionaire is asking for people's money to do. Um, I totally, I, I do agree with you. It is, it's not a scam. People are calling it a scam. It's clearly not a scam because we know what they're doing. We know what who they are, and we know what they want. Um, that's not a scam. It's not like they're going to take the money and then run away. Right. Um, so it's it's clearly not a scam. Is it galling? I I don't know. I mean, this is where I'm caught between that. Between, I mean, I, I make a joke of it being a liberal. I am very, more often than not, more of a cent- centrist kind of guy. So I'm kind of caught between that seeing how, seeing millionaires ask for money or, you know, rich people ask for money kind of makes me feel a bit queasy. But and then, I'm, you see, I, it's, and it's not even like a, a political, like, you know, a, even financial thing. It's a social thing for me. If this succeeds, people deserve that. It's their own goddamned fault. Well, that's the other thing. That's where I say I'm on the censor because I've got the queasy bit and then I've got the other bit where it's like arms are not being twisted, money is being given freely. Yeah, it's, well, it's the same complaint that I have about people bitching about like electronic arts. In fact, I was having a conversation with some people in the Potoid Facebook group and somebody brought up electronic arts as, you know, being this exploitative company. And I think we need to uh, be very clear about the word exploitation. It's not inherently bad. It merely means to take advantage of a situation. That's all sure. it is. Yeah, they're, now, still, they're still twats, though. Well, they can be twats. That's fine. They can be twats, but they're offering an opportunity for people to buy products that they don't need at all. Sure. They're not, you know, nobody's getting sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're well, I mean, I've made my points of, of about EA in the past about, yeah. you know, but I don't think a similar situation. Goes, well, I think EA's thing goes beyond that and, you know, has some other industry affecting things that they do but we but again that. that's our own goddamn fault for not thinking rationally about these issues I mean, and addressing possibly. them as a as a in mass you know it's it's our fault for those those of us who are smart enough to think about these ideas and to actually you know have those thoughts that oh this could be damaging it's our fault for not getting the message out broad enough and i don't know how we do it better yet we but... could we could ask for some loudspeakers on kickstarter 
$10,000 worth of loudspeakers just march around the city and just shouting, EA is bad. Don't buy their microtransactions, please. Yeah, but I mean, I have to, ex- I have to accept a certain level of responsibility there because I think it's our role as uh, enthusiasts, journalists, writers, critics. It's our responsibility to shine a light on the sorts of issues and get people thinking about them and moving in a direction that's positive. And if we see things moving in a direction that's negative, we should be shouting from every possible rooftop to change that. And if it doesn't change, you know, then you did what you could. But we Yeah, I'm not taking responsibility for this. I've done my best. I get people telling me to get over it. That's my reward. That's my Valhalla. But everyone has a role to play in it. And if something goes tits up because the mass market didn't spend enough time thinking about it, then we need to do a better job of getting the mass market to think about it. Quite possibly. Um, You know, I think we do our best, at least us lot. I think we have our um, firm opinions and we spout them all the time. Um, But I don't know, as far as this Penny Arcade thing, it's... Maybe it's intentional on their part. I mean, the $10 goal does seem like they're just trying to point out the bullshit that Kickstarter can be or yeah. or how easily people will jump on a fad or, you know, there, there's some joke to be made. I oh, know. To a certain extent, also, it could just mean, you know, hey, we're going to do this. It's just a question of how much you want us to do this, how far you want us to take it. That's another way to look at it. It could be. It could be. Um, to be honest, I did. My natural reaction was to just laugh out loud. When I saw it, I kind of looked confused for a second, and then my body made the decision my brain couldn't, and just burst out spontaneously laughing. And I think, I think that's the best reaction. I uh, I. I... I just I, I can't truck with the opinion of uh, people who are like, oh, they have the money, why kickstart it? Because you never invest your own money if you can't don't truck. have to. Yeah, I can't truck with that. <laughs> you ever heard that expression? No. no, I haven't. I like it. Okay. Yeah, but no, I mean, you, it's it's uh, it's a cliche in filmmaking that you you never make a film with your own money. You always find someone else because only a sucker puts their own money into into a film. This is the same thing from my perspective. Why would you pay for it if you could get everyone else to? Well, yeah, so far. I just looked it up. I hadn't heard about it until we started the show. Uh, $25,000. See? Already. Uh, with 22 days to go. And some episodes may be 20 minutes long. <gasps> Each episode will be between 20 and 60 minutes edited for the soul of wit <laughs> they wrote that well that's, like, that means brevity brevity is the soul oh, sure. of wit. i'm sure Absolutely. there are many we could probably get people to pay us to edit this down to 20 minutes i wonder oh, that would be a lot of work though yeah i, I think if we did uh, people on on uh, facebook were asking why we don't kickstart this and i think really i for me personally i it's just fun and I don't, I, I don't want to like inadvertently place some sort of like monetary value on this because that's just depressing to think that like someone would pay to listen to this. Oh yeah, a I, little bit. I mean, it's just. I, uh, I mean, it would be 
This podcast is the equivalent of taking a shit in someone's bedroom. Right. And I so couldn't... There you go. It's bad enough. It's rude enough that we record this. It's... it's but an then it's to stand at the door yeah. and say, hey, I'm going to need 10 bucks before you come in here and see the shit I took on your... <laughs> Every time I press record on the Skype recorder, it's a fresh insult on humanity. And to then ask money for that arduous backbreaking labour of pressing record, and then just talking about Willem Dafoe and Gordon Ramsay for two fucking hours. Come people on. I like that episode. Uh, and people do pay to have people come into their house and poop. Oh. I mean, and someone they... on Twitter was like, because I, I made a joke that I don't know how to react to this, how should I react? And someone said, well, you should point out that people like you record two hours of, of Podtoid a week um, for nothing. And I'm like, have you heard Podtoid? <laughs> There's a I... reason why! Um, but well, I was going to... I mean, if it's a heavily produced if it's like a talk radio style segment with great sound and like you know fancy editing and music and blah, then sure but i don't i don't really care who you are if you just do a podcast where you and your friends talk and you put an intro and an outro on it um it's pretty weird to me to ask for money for that but if people are willing to pay i think we should take money if people <laughs> uh want to give us money then why you know like justin bieber some people do what Bieber does for free, uh, but people decided to pay him, and he said, fine, I'll take the money, and there he is. We could be the Justin Bieber of uh, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, we, we well, just need to start accepting the money. We're already obnoxious and fucking ignorant. <laughs> um, I've been asked before, people have said before, oh, you should kickstart this, you should kickstart that, but personally, just because I'm not quite... I'm not quite as amoral as Conrad in life. Um, I have stupid, self-damaging morals mm. in many regards. Um, I should actually say I'm not as business savvy as, as Conrad, and there's a lot of stuff I take financial hits on anyway that I probably could get money for, um, but don't. And one rule I've had about, uh, especially with things like Kickstarter, is I will not be asking for money directly from my audience unless it's literally something I would have to hire someone else to do to help me do something or it's something I literally cannot do with the money I have. Um, you know, Jimquisition, uh, Movie Defense Force, this, and everything I do on Destructoid is stuff I can pay for. Um, mm. I, my, only ask, my only request from the audience is... Again, the whole, if you do like our stuff, be nice and consider turning off your ad block. Uh, because that way I make money, which I will then invest part of into my projects. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to have my stuff self-sustaining than ask other people for to be given money. And that's just my own sense of pride. Oh yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I'm, I get behind the concept of getting other people to pay for stuff, but I'm a hypocrite in that I'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I have this weird, I think, uh, maybe it's not that weird, but I have this idea that the things that I make are really only entertaining to me, and if that's the case, why would, why should anybody else pay to make it? Yeah. But you give them the option to, I mean, that's the thing, if Penny uh, Arcade had asked for 
I don't know, $20,000 or something, but it was very wise of them to set it at $10. And if they had only gotten $10, then they would have to make the show and and do it for almost no money. Uh, but they're just giving you the option to give them as much money as you want. And people are endeared to those guys. They are like people's parents or something. They're, 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 people are very loyal to those two dudes. Um and they're they'll just want them to be happy and get just they just are happy to think about giving them money even though they already have money i assume yeah because um, uh, they are very successful but yeah and I people mean, are happy when they give you stuff Jim. Give that you, is true uh, i was, uh, really, yeah. I was just going to bring that up i mean we've had lots yeah. listeners make us things or send us things or buy us stuff off our you know wish list on Amazon or what have you, and it's gratefully received. I mean, I get a, a lot of stuff gifted to me on Steam, which I ignore out of guilt, because I have a Steam review account, which means, you know, I could play most of the things people are gifting me, or um, if I don't, I should buy it anyway, because I get enough games, <laughs> you know? Um, so I kind of... I don't want to decline the gifts on Steam, because that would be rude. Uh, but I don't want to accept them, because that would be rotten. So I just kind of ignore them, which is probably worse than either other option. <laughs> so every time I boot up Steam, it's like, oh, here's Cave Story that someone wants to give you. And I'm like, I've got Cave Story. So I will just ignore this forever. <laughs> and then and then live guilt-free. But thank you, uh, that person who gifted me Cave Story that I've never said thank you for for months. Um, thank you. Uh, so that's a thing. And but if you do want to get me anything on good old games, <laughs> that would be fine. I don't have a review count there. Um, but you know, whatever. I when it comes to me making a product, I invest in it. I make my money back from the people kind enough to watch it, and that's the system I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and I think your yeah. success comes from that the thing uh that i'm left with with the penny arcade thing is people are very loyal to these guys and people love them but that loyalty i imagine it may start to fade with packs selling out within hours and a lot of the decisions they've made around that uh event business wise getting some bad press and now doing this just kind of seems like uh you know uh, abusing the loyalty of the fans for profit um, they're they're skating that line pretty well again with the the ten dollar uh, goal. They they can always back out and say, oh well, you know, it's not our fault. People just wanted to give us the money, but it it makes them look worse to some people for sure. And uh, to me, it's a little strange that they would uh, do this. Either they're ignorant of the fact that some people are going to think they look terrible, or they just don't care and just want the money. And either way, it, it's it's a weird decision. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you were constantly asking for Aliens toys on every post you did, or if you did a post just about give me Aliens toys, people would like you less and want to give you toys less. But the fact that you're like, oh, if you want to, uh, and you get all these cool toys. That's <laughs> uh, I want to give anything to anyone who asks for it like that. <laughs> um, uh, that said, mm. if I get the rights to Night Trap... Oh, yeah. And co-write it with Robert Florence. Um, That's an example of a project I literally couldn't do uh, without 
needing some form of investment, and that I might consider. When it comes to stuff I do as as part of the course for my job, then no. Sure. Well, like I have an idea for um, a game right now that I've been kicking around, and I'm trying to figure out a way that I can make a like a scaled down, almost a demo version of it first. Mm. Because there's no possible way without a lot of people helping me and people that, you know, I would I would like to pay people who help me with these sorts of big projects. Uh, there's no way I could do it alone. Um, and I, so I would have to kickstart the larger idea, but I have to first make this small thing and release it. And, and so it, there are a lot of good functions for it. Uh, I'm with you in that if I could... If I can pay for it, I'll just do it myself and get it out the door. Sure. Um, it doesn't, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I also wouldn't want the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just me doing it and it winds up shit, big deal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, I've I've often been able to hide behind the fact that I've asked for no money from anyone for my things, um, like podcast, uh, Potoid, for example. Um, people, there are still some people who tune in every week and listen to it and are angry that we don't talk about video games enough or, you know, they don't want to hear my well-reasoned and rational ideas for things to do with Jonathan Holmes's life. Um, and, and, and that is a thing. And I tell them that they are not being made to listen and we are putting it out for free and then they can suck it. Yeah, they, they, you know how people are, though. They're they what they really mean is I like parts of the podcast and it's better than nothing, but why don't you just make it more for me a little bit? Yeah. And I'll get you to do that yeah. by saying this completely sucks and you better respect me and we're but they kind of like it. Yeah, and uh, why don't you fuck off? That's my <laughs> suggestion to them. Um, if you don't like Pod Toyed, uh, why don't you fuck off? Because. Because we're not Penny Arcade. We have not put a Kickstarter up for this. This is literally something I do for my own pleasure. Mm. So why don't you fuck off? Um, I I put it out in the public because that also, just the very idea that this piece of shit exists and is out there for the world to listen to satisfies me. So why don't you fuck off? People listen to it, I, I, is my understanding. Idiots. Quite a few, yeah. Many uh, idiots <laughs> listen to this. Speaking of, of paying attention to things, mm-hmm. Jonathan, uh-huh. I feel I have done you a disservice. Really? Yes. Because as you know, I am a follower of your career, uh, of your life, of your path. Sure. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it, I follow. I walk your path, and and I consider myself the the president of your flan club. My flan club? Yeah, I'm the pre- I'm actually the official president of the Jonathan Holmes Flan Club. What's the flan club? I'm glad you asked. Uh, it's me and a, a group of about five guys. Uh, we've got um, a dry, oh. uh, just recently thawed out pastry crust. That we've bought from the store. We put that on the floor. We gather around on our knees and put in there, just at the base of the pastry crust, a cut it out uh, photograph 
of your face, Jonathan. Mm. Black and white. Um, we undo our belts, pull our trousers down to our knees, and then mm. reach to the guy on the right of us oh. and, and hold their penis. Okay. And 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 move their penis up and down. Uh, and then like sometimes. A joystick? Like a masturbating another man's penis. Oh, a masturbating movie. Masturbating okay. another man's penis, Jonathan. Okay. Um, yeah. All gathered around the, uh, the the pastry crust with your face in it, right? And yes. sometimes we lean over and kiss each other, just a bit of deep kissing, um, while, like, muttering just Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. So we're all jerking each other off on our knees around a, a pastry crust with your photo in the middle, just going, oh, oh, Jonathan, Jonathan, oh, Jonathan. And then we all splaff it out, right? All onto it. Um, all of the semen that we got coming out of our penises, Jonathan, come mm. out of our penises and fall in the flan um, base. On your really? on your face, all on the pastry. On we try and get all of it on your face. Oh, right. Yeah. Fill it up with with cum, and then throw on some mashed up bananas and strawberries. <laughs> Gross. And that's that's the Jonathan the Jonathan. That's, that's terrible. It's a it's a delicious summer dessert. No, Jonathan Holmes. It sounds yucky. It sounds snotty. Well, well you're eating it. I'm eating it? Yeah. I have to eat it? Dude, we've been making these flans for, like, months. I've been keeping them in my kitchen next to the fridge. And Pax Prime going to bring out all the Jonna flans, and you're going to eat them one by one. Mmm. Not in the fridge. Tastes like fruit and another, well, many men's cum. Ah, that sounds pretty gross. And the treat Mm. is, is, like, your photo at the bottom. Yeah, I have to eat a photo of me too. No, no, you keep that. Oh. It's like when you got like like Cheerios or Frosted Flakes, and there was a toy inside the box. They don't do that so much these days. You know. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Here's here's a, a Judge Dread bike reflector. You know, pop that on your bike. Yeah, those are wow. Cool. Your your toys were way cooler than ours. Yeah, we didn't have Judge Shed bike reflectors. We didn't have Judge Shed bike reflectors. Oh, we got all yeah. sorts of... It was all movie tie-ins towards the end. Um, but anyway, that's a thing. Oh, oh, Judge Shed movie. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just assuming that because you grew up in Britain where Judge Dredd is from and more popular, that somehow <laughs> comic book Judge Dredd merchandise wound up as pack-in items with your cereal. Oh, no, no. There was no... Okay. No, yes, no. no 2000 AD cereal tie-ins, unfortunately. This is Stallone Schneider Dredd. Yeah, reference. yeah. So in many ways, a, a, a cummy photo of you, Jonathan, is a better gift. No, it's not. No, in no ways. Jonathan. That... <laughs> I'm curious about being a European. We're talking about Europe today. No, the we're not. United Kingdom. We could. Did, we could, uh... but we, we're not. Because I'm not done. Because <laughs> the John of Flan is going to be the centerpiece at Gordon Ramsay's Moist Dumpster. Oh, I forgot about that. You, you have, haven't you? Yeah, what is that again? That's our restaurant. Oh, that's right. Yeah, got a new recipe this week. Milk and beer. Oh, that might be good. Like a frothy... Get a Budweiser, Mm -hmm. pour milk in it, stir it up. Weirder things have happened. That's quite good, isn't it? I thought it was disgusting. (laughs) 
I, I can't think of two worse things going together. But that's the irony of, of, of Gordon Ramsay's moist dumpster, mate. Uh, bee stings. What? That's, that's not a food? That's, that's the other event. menu item uh, this week. Uh, we roll up one of your sleeves, Jonathan. Right? You mm-hmm. stick it in a beehive. Gets all uh, stung up. Then you run out quick while it's fresh and lay that on the table. Customer licks it. Oh, that's awful for everyone involved. That's not awful for everyone. We put some lemon drizzle on it. We pour <laughs> on lemon. Me. Yeah, to give I'm it that it. give it that zesty flavour. We squeeze lemon juice all over it. Then we shove it out there and they say, "Lick that to the customer." Make sure you get the the, the big welts before oh. they get cold. Oh, you want warm welts with lemon. Yeah. That's yuck. Warm melts with lemon. <laughs> and then a uh, side yep. of cum. Oh, not that too. <laughs> Nobody just, wants to eat that. I'm feeling lazy, so I'm just... Every idea and thing I do today is just going to have someone just come on something. It's a theme. In Might a, as well. Undercurrent. Kind of a, a collective a subconscious, as they say. is uh, got semen on the mind. That's what they say. Yeah. Young Girl, say. I got semen on my mind. They haven't gotten to that point yet, have they? They, they, <laughs> R and B and country like was escalating with horniness. Like I can tell you've never been this far before. You know that one by Conway Twitty. The one about having sex with a schoolgirl. Probably. Yeah. yeah. If my hand touches forbidden places. Bah, bah, bah. Now, your father's goes. asleep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then Poison. Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah. Never, touch a, never trust a big button a smile. They were escalating, but they haven't gotten to the, uh, and there's semen on the lips, and I'm thinking <laughs> about the times we shared. They haven't gotten to that yet. We They're need get- to do it. I guess so. We need to be the new country and western sensation. Conrad's got a moustache. We're halfway there. That's true. If you put a hat on him and yeah? don't let him talk then people might think he's a cowboy for a second. Conrad's got a moustache. You've now, got hold experience. On there. That's just not reasonable. See? <laughs> Sorry, Conrad, I shouldn't have discriminated against you. You don't talk very Southern most of the time, though. Yeah, yeah. but together we make one country and Western star. Because Conrad's got the moustache. You've got the experience dealing with the mentally backwards. Mm, I guess. And I'm sexually and repressed. Cattle. cattle. He was on the cattle drive. He was on the cattle drive. I was on a cattle yeah. drive once. Yeah, Together, we make a single country and western superstar. What do you contribute to the country? I just said I'm sexually repressed. <laughs> no, you're not. Together, the, yeah. the, the sexual um, extravagance that I project outward is a mask that is for the repression. Really? Um, yes, that's me back. That's like every, that's all my systems backfiring in my brain. All the synapses going wrong. Um, it's it's very. Well, I just you you were repressing it, and that's you know just all that managed to eke through. <laughs> that too, yeah. This is that what you hear on Podswood is like one percent of it. Um, oh God, I was thrown off my track. Taylor Swanked. Taylor Swanked. That's going to be the name of us as a, as one country and western gal. A gal? Yeah, we're all going to wear Daisy Duke shorts. We're going to wear white and red checker shirts tied up at our tits. And pigtail wigs. 
and we're going to say, I'm Taylor Swanked, and I'm here to sing about cum. Do we say it all in unison like yeah. that? Yeah, we come out, we go, I'm Taylor Swanked, I'm going to sing about cum. We should try that. I don't I usually want to do your ideas, but I'm very curious about how it would all sound if we said that in unison. Uh, let's do it on three. You ready, guys? One, two, three. I'm Taylor Swampt, and that we you guys didn't go. I just wanted to hear you say it out loud. <laughs> you knew I wouldn't keep talking if I didn't hear I you. I know. Before. I regret having come at the end. I wanted to hear you say come. <laughs> um, next week, we'll work on that. But for, <laughs> now, for now, just be aware that at some point in your life, Jonathan, you will be on a stage with a banjo saying, I got semen on my lips. Drinking a bud, watching the big game, semen on my lips, isn't it a shame, oh yeah, God. It's still on your lips, even though you've been drinking Budweiser, it's really uh, stuck I, on there, caked on even. I'll take a, <laughs> take a swig of bud, and then I'll reapply, I'll take a swig <laughs> of bud, and then I'll reapply, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a hit, you never know. You never know what people are going to love. And R&B, too. They haven't gotten to that point in R&B. Uh, yeah. You know, Usher has yet to sing about <laughs> semen on his forehead and, you know, try again, get it off. Stuck to my body. Caked and caked on. Yeah. You know, it hasn't happened yet. Should. Anybody got a wet wipe? Just need a little discreet swipe. <laughs> semen on my forehead, girl. Get there, it's not mine. Girl, you're looking fine. Ignore the semen. Uh -uh. He could get away with it. If anyone can get away with it, it's Usher. And that Adam Levine guy. Jeez, the ladies really love him. There was a thread about us on NeoGAF. Really? That's a surprise. Uh, Some NeoGAF readers, this might be their first time listening. Jokes on you. <laughs> what was the? What could they possibly say about us on NeoGaf? It's it was, a non-story. It was just a thread about Podtoid. Really? Podtoid, huh. a podcast for lovely boys. Really? Yeah. Didn't get many replies. No, <laughs> not okay. many. Uh, got more than it should have because it got some replies. Huh. Which is always more than any, you know, Podtoid discussion warrants. Sure. Um, but that was cool. What'd they say, I wonder? Uh, some people said it was nice. Oh, that's good. Some other people said um, the, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, one guy said he couldn't, he didn't understand how anyone could listen to my high-pitched, obnoxious, nasally voice. Oh, that's Which offended mean. me, because it is high-pitched and obnoxious, but it's not nasally. I don't think so. Um, yeah. It's reedy. It's disgustingly reedy. Nicely, would they all like that? They were, oh, no. Oh, Nitron, yes. <laughs> um, that's not what Fran it is. Drescher. Fran Drescher Fran... is Nathan. Oh. Fran Drescher. Oh. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> that's nasally shit right there. Exactly. That's I, not good. I, get my voice right. It is obnoxious and horrible. Um, and also some sympathy for I am the one who has to hear it more than anyone. 
Because you think I shut up when people aren't around? No. And you have to it edit your own videos. Going. And stuff, oh yeah, too. I have to listen to it fucking banging on about just just practically communist shit when it goes on about EA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Consumer rights. Oh god, just constantly whining like he's fucking Burt Raccoon. And Burt then Raccoon. Burt, Who's Burt? Huh? Burt Raccoon. Then who's Bert Raccoon? He sounds great. That's from a cartoon, the Raccoon. I love Bert Raccoon already. What's he like? It's a twat. Oh come on! His name's Bert Raccoon. He's got to be good. It was an old Canadian cartoon. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. I think we've talked about raccoons on Podtoy before. I think you have, but I didn't yeah. realize one of them I, was Bert. I make several references to it in Jimquisition because I I use a picture of Cyril Sneer usually to represent mine enemies. Mm, right. Um, so anyway, that's a thing. And he's from the raccoons. He's from the raccoons. He's an evil anteater. Oh, right. He's an evil capitalist. He he will chop down trees to make money, rather right. than build trees to lose money. Which is the only correct thing to do is to build trees under. Like like first of all, you put a big bag of all your life savings in the ground and then put a tree on top of that. Is that how you build a tree? That's how you uh, are a good character in a cartoon in the 80s. Did they really build trees on the raccoons? No. Oh, okay. No, they just had a series of banal adventures. I never got why Cyril Sneer was evil. He didn't do a lot of bad things. We Mm. just, we knew he was bad because in the title sequence, he was playing a video game. And the video game was like him, like an avatar on a TV screen, munching trees like pac-man and in the place of the tree a dollar sign would be left behind it so you knew he was evil because he was converting trees into money that was the thing back then wasn't it anyone who ate trees or wanted money was bad didn't matter if they actually hurt anybody in the process were the dinosaurs like that too why were they bad the bad dinosaurs do you remember them uh that one i don't know Oh, the dinosaurs. I'll tell you about it briefly. Uh, Post-Transformers, post-Battle Beasts, they are anthropomorphic dinosaurs. There is one sexy lady dinosaur. I think she's like a pterodactyl or something. Um, And there's like five of the good ones. And then three bad ones that are just showing up and being like, what are we going to do today? Mm -hmm. And not doing anything wrong. They just say it in a intense angry way and then i think they'd like arm wrestle and then it was over and they had a ship life was simpler back then it was indeed characters were evil for no discernible reason it sounded evil and deserved everything they got (laughs) nowadays everything's got to be complex and and deep and have meaning skeleton warriors you Mm. knew where the fuck you were Mm. you see that guy he's called baron dark Enough said. He's evil. Kill him. I always mix up the skeleton warriors with the uh, illusionaires. Is that what they were called? You may be talking of the visionaries. Visionaries. That's it. They're two two very different shows. Did you you ever play the skeleton warriors PlayStation game? Uh, To my regret, no. Although I wanted to. I if I still have a copy of it somewhere, and it's possible that I do, because while I did purge a great many PlayStation One titles, uh, 
I don't think anybody would have taken that off my hands. <laughs> that bad? I remember it's wanting to like it. It's a two. It's like Rastan or something, right? Like yes. Ex- well, no, it's not like Rastan. It's like Rastan Saga two, and oh. we need to be clear there. <laughs> I love Rastan. Rastan's a great fucking game. And then yeah. I was at a, a goddamn uh, what was it? Uh, what do you call those things? Like a park and swap swap meet. I was at a swap meet. And I found a copy of Rastan Saga 2 for Sega Genesis, not knowing how shitty it was, brought it home. <laughs> and you funny. swapped your original copy of Suikoden for that. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I was like... <laughs> you went very... You went I was... very Emperor Palpatine. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was it like, is what? you who will swap Suikoden. Unlimited power. Uh, sorry, that's how I do swap meets. Ah, I was like 14. I just yeah. walked in, you know. I was just disappointed. I was just very disappointed that they fucked up the sequel. That on is the a co- it was a home console sequel on the Genesis. I don't know what I was expecting. Skeleton Warriors yeah. is like that. Yes, it's what? that bad. Uh, it's that kind of bad. I've got two Skeleton Warriors. Yeah. They're on my shelf. I'm looking at them now. They're big skeletons. I think we might have talked about this before. I don't know how big those dudes were before they became skeletons because those bones are huge. <laughs> you know, like, how could you fit a muscle and a face over that? You'd be like a, I don't know, like a, like a very beach ballish like person, I suppose. Hmm? Like a mutant. You'd be a mutant. Well, they're not, they're not skeletons. They're not the skeletons under, that would have been under people. Right. They are just skeletons yeah. themselves. Each of them have a magic jewel. Jonathan, affixed okay. to their bodies. If you take the jewel off, they turn back into normal people. Really? It's not, it's not that the skin comes off. It's, I'm assuming, that their skin literally hardens and becomes bone. Whoa. You gotta Is that have... a skeleton then, or are you just a bone man? Uh, well, I mean, you're a skeleton warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's I mean, by definition, yeah. The science of it is very sketchy. Um, it's something I've been trying to work out because, as you know, Jonathan, I've had a long-standing wish for you to become a skeleton warrior. I was not aware of that. Uh, Ever since I watched um, that scene in Jason and the Argonauts with the stop-motion skeletons that screamed, I thought to myself, I mean, when did I first see that? I must have been about three or four years old first Mm. saw that, and I thought... 20 years ago, then. Jonathan Holmes needs to be that. (laughs) Um, anytime I see skeletons, I want you to be one. Uh, the Lost Souls. <laughs> that involves me dead. The Lost Souls in Doom. Oh, yeah. They're cool. I, I'd love for you to have like your head be just a skull on fire. <laughs> well, a quick shout out to the guy who did the animation in Jason and the Argonauts, Ray, uh, Ray Harryhausen. He died. He was 92. Oh, yeah. Hey, recently. Just, yeah, I just died like yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, so it, it would strike me as an insult to a recently deceased legend. Um, it would be like spitting on an old man's grave if you were not a skeleton, Jonathan. But that involves the death of me, and... No, that's me... a song. Oh. It's also a thing that will happen. I will die. No, you Trust won't. <laughs> we're <laughs> well, not, not going to peel the skin off you, Jonathan. How will you skeleton that? Right. This is. If we just took all your skin off, you'd just be a pile of bones on the floor. 
That's a skeleton? And I am not versed enough in the arts of necromancy to do anything with a pile of bones yet. So we're going to have to go the scientific approach. Okay? I would prefer you to be a Jason and the Argonaut skeleton. Okay, Jonathan? That's just me. I would love you to be... Stop motion is scarier than CGI. So I would like you to be either one of those or one of the ones from Army of Darkness. Those are pretty good, too. But... A few of those are stop motion. Uh, tribute to Ray Harryhausen. I think the one playing the drums. Yeah. Mm. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. <laughs> Why Cause, not? Because they're real skeletons. And I can't make a skeleton man from real skeletons. We're going to have to go the skeleton warriors route. Of Just 90s cartoons. That's what? exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, I've already gone to the local charity shops. I've asked, you know, old relatives for just old bits of jewellery. I've got some rings. I've got some necklaces. I've got a brooch or two. And I just want to push them into you until we find one that turns you into a skeleton warrior. I don't think that you will give me an abscess. I will be wounded and infected for sure. How about this, right? I've got some badges. Badges? Yeah, like badges. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, you know, like like pins. I, I've got some Mario ones. I've got some. In badges were all the ragers, kids. You'd put them on your school bag, put them on a t-shirt. Everybody knows then that you've got a fucking badge. Okay, so we get them, we take the safety pin at the back, we push them, like, pull them out straight so that they're facing direct backwards, and then just stick them on you. <laughs> Don't, no, no. It's pretty good. Um, so you're covered in badges, right? They've all been pushed into your supple, yielding flesh. Fur, all, but all, yielding. Isn't all flesh yielding to a, a needle going into it? Sadly, and, and... sadly, Yes. For now, before the skeletonization begins. Uh, to hurry the process along, I've bought some pork chops. They've been set out next to the John Flan Holmeses. Um, gonna duct tape the pork chops and the ribeye steak to your arms and legs and the back of your head. How does that make me more skilling for this <laughs> to be a ribeye, ribeye steak man? That's not a skeleton man. That's a meat man. <laughs> Serious. These are me as a meat man. True. No, no. The idea is that you will go about your normal daily life covered in safety pins and meat. And over the course of the days and the years, the meat will slough off as it becomes cured in the sun. Obviously, every time a bit of it falls off, I want you to pick it up, put it in your pocket, bring it back to the restaurant so we can serve it the next night. But my theory is, is that the power of of the many jewels adorning your body, right, mixed with a slow process of meat turning to bone. On me. Yeah, it Mm. will kind of make something happen. It will. Something will happen. (laughs) Logic dictates, and this is basic science, right, that... The more things are stuck together, the more they'll turn into one thing. Um, what? We saw this with the famous manga Akira. 
He did. <laughs> it's been many years, but didn't he turn into a great big fleshy lump that pulled people into it or not? Tetsuo did turn into sort of a giant fleshy amoeba uh, man thing. Exactly. And I want you to be a giant bony amoeba man thing. I don't think that's how it worked with Tetsuo, though. He uh, had latent psychic abilities that were released by the colonel and his uh, little scientist buddy who's got really funny voice acting in the original dub. Okay, well, while this is going on, you're eating KFC, Mm -hmm. and then maybe the colonel will unleash some psychic energy on you. And obviously, once you're done eating the chicken, you've got Uh the bones, we'll pop them up your ass. (laughs) <laughs> That's not going to turn me into a skeleton. The ass is the heart of man. Maybe. So again, I mean, I just think the more you're around bones, the more bones are stuck to you and stuck in you. Um, it'll sort of merge over years, like how a hermit crab grows into its shell. Although in the hermit crab's case, I think they then just move into a bigger shell. Yeah. Yeah. They don't put yeah. meat all over their bodies, hoping... We will get bigger stakes as you get older. I'm not going to get much bigger, am I? Oh, then we don't need the bigger stakes. You're already <laughs> solving problems for us. This is going to be brilliant. I mean, it's going to be fun at first, just to begin with. No. Just, you're like, I can't believe this. I'm covered in, in jewellery that's been like like pressed into me with with safety pins and needles. And I'm covered. I smell of just delicious meat. <laughs> no, I don't. Right? I smell of gonna be rotting or is rotting meat. I'm bleeding. I'm getting meat into my wounds. The wounds are getting pussy and infected. I'm getting who knows what kind of uh, meat-borne or meat-attracting. Uh, You're growing. You're changing. You're becoming. Like Brendel it's, it's like Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. <laughs> That's not good. Which is the smartest reference Potsoid's ever gonna fucking get, God damn it. Um, no one wants to be Franz Kafka's metamorphosis. He's a bug man. You're going to be Franz Kafka's skeleton warriors. <laughs> That's what you're not understanding. You're going to be my bony meat man, and you haven't even mentioned all the flies yet. I was just trying to get to them, and then I was uh, interjected upon. That's going to be awesome. What? Be having uh, maggots and flies? Well, and I mean, again, flies? again, and I'm just going off basic. Very basic science, right? The more you're surrounded by animals, the more you get a psychic link with them. Like the Rat King in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I will admit a lot of my science is based off things I saw in the 80s and 90s. Specifically cartoons. Uh, It's a bad one. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. I'm, I'm... I'm not going to deny that. This is a science, and all science is a gamble. It's all asking questions. You're, all- you're, on, you're on the frontier here. You're pushing the boundaries, and that's the only way we're ever going to progress. Exactly. Do you think Aristotle developed whatever it was he did just by recording a podcast? No. He went out and experimented. <laughs> he strapped meat to all sorts of things, not just steaks, not just people. We all remember Aristotle's dog sausage. And then they invented sausage dogs. The, what's a sausage dog? It's like those long like, dachshunds. Oh, oh, a, a dachshund. Yes. Yeah, in Britain we call them uh, sausage dogs, and that's all because of Aristotle. Because he, he duct-taped sausages to dogs 
And the two merged over time and evolved. And then we got the Dachshund. But but uh, in science, you have a hypothesis that you're trying to prove, and you also have an idea of what might happen if your hypothesis is wrong, if your theory is wrong. Like, I've got that. Right? The hypothesis is I've watched Skeleton Warriors and reckon I could do that. Okay? <laughs> That's okay. the hypothesis. Right. Right? The hypothesis, if it's wrong, mm. right, the result will likely be I'll be a bit disappointed. What about what will happen to me if the hypothesis is wrong? Best case scenario, I become a well, what's going to happen to you? Man, yeah. Is I'll, You're going to go down in history. I'll be predominant. What? Right? If this goes wrong, the hypothesis is I will be largely disappointed in you. <laughs> it's my so fault. that's what happens to you if this goes wrong. Is you have to deal with me really being a bit fucked off with you. So don't let me down, son. What am I supposed to do? Just be a bone? Become I can't. a skeleton warrior. I, mean, I cannot become not, a bone. It's really not rocket science. It's biological science, if anything. You. Do guys even wear clothes, those skeleton warriors? <laughs> um, like bits, a loincloth, probably? Bits of red cloth around And big them. boots. I bet they have big, furry, ugg boots. Um, uh, shoulder, like... Oh, big, shoulder pad things. Big spiky mm. pauldrons. I mean, let's look at Baron Dark. Hold on, let me grab him. Okay, grab him. Okay, okay. I've got Baron Dark here. Now, Baron Dark's wearing a very fetching ensemble. Um, first of all, he's got black and grey hair flowing behind him. That's I don't know cool. what the hair's attached to. <laughs> um, then he's got a skull on top of his own skull. So get one of those, Jonathan. And his jewel is in the skull on top of his skull. Oh, okay. Now, his shoulder pads are skulls. Really? One, two, three, four. Four skulls on each shoulder. Bearded skulls. <laughs> and they seem to be tied to his shoulder by their own hair. Big red flowing cape behind him, tattered. Because you're a skeleton man now, Jonathan. Everything you wear has got to be like tatters. Uh, in his chest is a skull, and that's got a big, long red beard. Are these skulls of other guys, or does he just have multiple heads? They're tiny skulls, and they so... seem to be like just other skulls that have been taken from elsewhere and put on him. Oh, it could have been like he had tumor faces and then died yeah. and then had... No, they're, they're an adornment, although an adornment. his face does look like tumor-ridden for a mm. skull. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He looks ill. He looks unfair, yeah. Um, but the, the, th the interesting thing to note is that the skulls on his shoulders and the skull on his chest... I mean, the skull on his chest especially doesn't seem to be affixed to anything. It's just there, like, grafted on. So my theory of things being attached to you, Jonathan, and then just being part of you seem to be supported by this Skeleton Warriors action figure. So there's precedent. There's proof. Okay. That what is there proof of? Uh, that if we stick pork chops to you, you will become a bone man. <laughs> <laughs> On his wrists, he's got spikes, just little spiky bracelets. 
They're purple on here, just solid purple plastic. On the box, properly painted. Oh. These toys, right, despite promising... So I'm not promising gonna be as good as I was on the box, which is true already. Okay. Yeah, you're going to be mostly solid painted plastic. Um, they're the boots. This is interesting. He doesn't seem to be wearing boots. He's got a lot of fur tied to his shins and calves to give the appearance <laughs> of boots. But when you look uh-huh. closely, it is just a load of hair, and it looks to be like the same hair on his head. So this skeleton warrior is growing hair out of his own legs. Then he's just got red platforms on his on the bottom of his feet, and then just more like gold spikes, one on each toe. It's like he's wearing spikes. sandals almost. Like hairy, spiky sandals. Now the bit you were most interested in, Jonathan. They're like um, the go-go boots of sandals. They are. What? But I do want to talk about the bit that Jonathan Holmes expressed Sorry. an interest in, which is the skeleton's penis. Right. No, I didn't. Um, he is covered by the tiniest loincloth I've ever seen. His penis is covered, though. He's got this small, tiny little loincloth, like, draped over his hip bones mm. and sunk mm. into his pelvis. Mm. And and I can just see where he, the, like, the, the, the top of his penis shaft would be. A tiny little skull. No, really? It's a tiny little skull in there. I've never noticed it before. They put a skull near his uh, crotch region? Yeah, just a little skull on his on his skeleton junk. No way. That's, yeah. that's pretty cheeky of them, I think. They got away with it. Um, the other one, Arachnia. Aracula. Is that a spider one? It's or the spider one. He's got lots of arms. Uh... Not as much clothes, but a way bigger loincloth. So uh, if you're worried about your penis, Jonathan, when we turn you into a skeleton, you might want to get some more arms. I can't have more arms. I'd love to have more arms. That would be great, but it, it's biologically impossible. You can't do it. Is it? They, they don't stay on. They just rot away and fall what off. If we duct tape, sore. What if we duct tape arms to you? Then oh. they will... Fall off I'll be honest, off. getting human arms will be difficult. Mm-hmm. Dog legs. <laughs> no. Right? Here's what we do. Your uh, dog can be in on the fun. It's not fun. We get your dog, KK Slider, right? Mm-hmm. That's my Duct tape that to your back. And then over time, I assume along with the pork chops, the dog will rot away. And its bones will mend with your spinal column. And you'll have four... Extra arms coming out your back. <laughs> it's terrible. This is uh, how is this terrible, right? It's a biological nightmare. You're speaking the, the stuff. The ultimate plan of this is for you to be a giant, four, well, six-armed by that point, skeleton warrior commanding psychically an army of flies. Whoa, really? Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean. The amount of flies that will be hanging around you with those pork chops rotting on your arms and legs. Uh, you'll eventually develop a kind of camaraderie with them. That would be nice. I like bugs, actually. Insects are, are underrated. They're all right. They just are very different from people. So people think, oh, no, but they're, they're fine. Yeah so, yeah, so so we'll be doing that. No, I won't let you kill me. Or rot me, or deform <laughs> me, or human centipede me, or kill my dog, or 
The flies are the only part that I was like, that's all right. As long if, as they aren't bitey flies. If you were my true friend, uh-huh. you would rot for me. <laughs> you would, if you were any kind of friend, you would become pestilence on earth. Oh. Well then, <laughs> I, well then I had the wrong idea of what we had together. It is pretty fun when a friend just announces what the new standard for the friendship is, and that if you don't meet the standard, you're so selfish. I told you I wanted to have sex with your girlfriend, and you said that was weird, and all of the friendship I thought we had, just so selfish, just keeping the girlfriend all to yourself. I actually had a friend say that once. And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's selfish of you. It's like, that's exactly what a selfish person would say, thinking about themselves, calling the other person selfish. They call that projecting, just totally <laughs> serious. That yeah, guy sounds cool. awesome. Yeah, he was all right. And he wanted to have sex with your girlfriend. Yeah, he thought, you know, why not? Yeah, and why wouldn't you let him? Because uh, I, I, I liked the girlfriend. I was you... worried that I would lose her to him. Oh, uh, so you didn't even ask for her opinion. You just assumed oh, no. the lady. He... Sexist. <laughs> It was up to her, of course, but yeah, it, it was. was wanting me to like talk to she? her about it for him. Who is she? Oh, this is a long time ago now. Have you I... still got a phone number? Uh, no. I think we got to write this me. wrong. In circumstances like these, the onus is on you to deliver all offers. Yeah. You know, what? Uh, it's just, yeah, in the real estate business, that's how this works. You know, if someone makes an offer, you have to take it to your client. In many... You can't just say no. Because ways, that's violating their uh, their rights. They're the one who gets to make the, the decision, not you. This is worse than you intercepting her mail. I mean, you literally did intercept a mail that was wanted to be hers. I what? A mail? A mail. You, you, you did. You intercepted her mail. Did you screen her phone calls as well? Are, are you said, controlling? Are you like a Joseph Just, it, just invading. Wow. Yeah. Did you keep her in the basement for 20 years? <laughs> and have little have little white children all this time oh uh, we weren't even that <laughs> close she and i he was just like your girlfriend's pretty hot you're probably not gonna stay with her forever so let's just cut to the chase do you, you mind if i know that i'm interested that? in sex with her and i like his frankness he was yeah. frank and yeah. confident yeah i, yeah, we, I, we were, I it sounds like I would have passed that message along. I'm sorry. I would have. It sounded like he literally didn't think that could go wrong. It couldn't for him because he. Now, I'd have also him. amended. Now I hear he's terrible in the sack, so I probably <laughs> would waste my time. But if you're interested in that, sweetie, you go right ahead. Yeah, I. I yep. So you can, you can spin it in your favor. You don't just have to be like, "Hey, babe, dude wants to give you a little old sausage." What do you think? You can pouch it in some language that makes it seem less exactly. appealing. It seems kind My of friend mean. wants to have sex with you. He stinks of shit, but it will be over quickly. It, but but it, it suggests to her that I'm okay with it and that I have no sense of connection to her that I, I value and want to maintain to say, this you know, is here's the 21st an idea. century? Mm. Sharon, have an open mind. If your girlfriend wants to have sex with your friend, better better to be the man in the middle making the transaction than have it go on behind your back. 
if she wanted to have sex with them, then we could have broken up because it was an exclusive dating relationship. Yeah. Oh, that is very controlling. (laughs) She could do it, whatever she wants. Obviously, Jonathan, you're unlucky in love, uh, and I am Doctor Love. Oh. Uh, I'm going to help you out, right, with this new segment. Doctor Love talks to Jonathan for a second about (laughs) girls and sometimes men. That's the full name of it, right? Dr. Love. Just remember this helpful advice, right? Mm-hmm. Better to encourage your spouse to have sex with random men than to look an idiot if she's going to do it anyway. <laughs> better? To what end? Because better implies, like, to better meet this end. Here's the thing, Do right? it this way. Yes. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Some men in relationships are paranoid, jealous, mm-hmm. controlling. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly healthy and fine. But use it the correct way. Don't tell your other half. And this goes for women as well, I'm sorry. I'm being, this is very, like, male-centric, but this goes for men, in no matter your relationship, be it gay, be it straight, be it what have you, this is for everyone. I'm saying yes, be paranoid. Yes, be uh, jealous. Yes, do feel like everyone's looking at your other half and they're out to get you and stab you in the back and betray you and spit on your heart, right? Be all those things. That's the foundation of a successful fucking relationship. But rather than, like, you know, lock your other half away or tell them not to do something... I've never told anyone not to do anything. Encourage them to fuck everything. (laughs) That way, if they ever do cheat on you, you can tell them, Ha! I said you could! I said you could! I fucking said it! I win! I fucking win! They, you win by saying that it wasn't a betrayal. I'm the winner. <laughs> I told you to have sex with everyone. Oh, what? You only had sex with Craig? Just the one? Well, you're the idiot. You could have had sex with ten. So you are the fool. And I am lucky in love. I'm Dr. Love. I got a PhD in feeling fine. While you and Craig... Stuttering Craig? Yeah. Screw uh, screw tags. Stuttering Craig. I'll attack him with screws. (laughs) He's really tall. He's tall and has sex with all my girlfriends. He probably would. (laughs) No, I mean, not in a bad way. Uh, So there'll be more Dr. Love next week. No, I'm sure they'd enjoy it. He's tall. He's good to have sex with tall men. You know what they say about tall men? They have sex with my girlfriends. Exactly. Yes, more Dr. Love next week. Um, hey, Jonathan, how are you? I'm good. I'm that is fantastic. Back. Moving on. Oh. <laughs> way back in the uh, earlier when uh, Conrad was talking about Rastan Saga 2, I was thinking about how series, uh, game series, can kind of fall off the wagon and lose their power. And it goes along with the Dead Space 3 thing Why, that was there, announced. Do their duct tape huh? port shots fall off their arms? <laughs> no, but, uh, it, it, you know, uh, we often think that uh, modern series are going to stay 
going for a long, long time. Uh, popular ones, uh, well-received ones, high-profile ones. But uh, they can die off pretty quick. And from what EA is saying about Dead Space 3, even though critically pretty well-received, most of the people I know who played it who are fans of this series um, weren't wholly disappointed. They A lot of people like Dead Space 2 more, but, uh, you know, it wasn't bad. But they're saying it was uh, disappointing and that who knows if the series is going to continue from here, which is weird. Is that weird or is it me? Because I thought that was weird. It's... I, I don't know what they want. They... Even though they added the fucking um, cover-based stuff and the co-op and all that shit, they still spent a lot of time trying to market this as a horror game. Mm-hmm. It was marketed from the very beginning. I mean... It was a bit too little too late with Dead Space 3. From the outset, they were, this is a horror game. First Dead Space, this is a horror game. It was established as a horror franchise. A horror franchise can be successful. It's not going to be fucking Battlefield. Mm, mm-hmm. So they're disappointed that a horror game did what a horror game does, basically. I wonder how much well, money well, they put it, into it. it. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing that's so fascinating to me, is mm. that... Um, when the first Dead Space was being first announced, uh, I remember reading a Game Informer, and they were sort of like, the perspective seemed to be that they were kind of bravely taking a risk mm-hmm. uh, by creating a new IP and a horror IP at that. It, it didn't seem to me like they had any misunderstanding of the expectations when the franchise began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it made so. pretty good money, but not in the huge money. It did around, I remember reading that it did around the same as Mirror's Edge, but for whatever reason, they had more confidence that uh, Dead Space could continue to grow in terms of popularity. And then Dead Space 2 came out, that made more money than the first one. They were happy about it. Uh, and then yeah, somewhere free. along the line, I guess they lost sight of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I wonder how much money they put into Dead Space 3. It wasn't that... Don't expensive know. looking of a game. And they said it? they needed to sell five million copies. Did it look that? Did it look like a five million copies gotta sell game? Um, n- well, I mean, it looked fantastic, but at the same time, it's, it's built the third the of engine. yeah, it's yeah. the third of, of three games. Um, a lot of the stuff was already in place, uh, so I don't know. But this is, I mean, we saw this with Resident Evil as well, Resident Evil Six. I mean, that sold what four point nine million copies at last count, and yeah. they're disappointed because it didn't sell more. And it's like, look, Resident Evil is a huge name; it's a big franchise. It's going to sell around four or five million copies. That's good. It's still a horror game, and in the horror genre, that's exceptional. Oh, yeah. It's huge. But because you thought, we'll put more guns in, and then it'll be the next Call of Duty, you <laughs> fucked up, didn't you? You fucking morons. When's the last time a horror movie was like a blockbuster hit, like did as well as the Avengers or something? I have never... The, they don't. The, no. The, got... the last Evil Dead, I think, made like... 41 million in its opening box office, but it cost 21 million to make. That's they were how like, you do it. and they immediately greenlit a sequel and were like, thank God we made 20 million and we're uh, thrilled about it. There's money to be made from horror. There's money to be made from every genre. So sure. long as you build it with the right expectations, I mean, so long as, if you do anything with the right expectations, you'll be a, a success. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at, you, you want an example of one that was uh, massively successful. You just saw. 
I mean, there's a film oh, that's sure. very clearly on the low scale of the budget in just about every respect. I mean, for God's sake, they cast Carrie Elwes. Um, oh, come on. He's a charmer. I love him, but how much work do you see him do? It wasn't um wasn't that guy with the funny eyeballs in there? Ghost Dog? Like I see him I see him on episodes of Psych and (laughs) like that's it. That's all the only thing I've seen Elways do in years. So but dirt cheap to make Mm. and phenomenally good box office, especially when you, you know, factor in what the the net profit is there. Just enormous. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that is what you do. You make it small and tight because you know that the audience isn't really as big as some of the others. You know, the interest level is going to be lower for a more niche product. And then if you can break through and make something that's you, you aim to make something that's universally fun, mm-hmm. and if it becomes accepted broadly does, you know, far exceeding the expectation of a success within that niche that's great but you, you gotta remember what you're working with here and don't expect the didn't... sequel to make more money than the last of anything it's going to diminish right uh, dead space uh, dead space may it, it, i i can't help but wonder if when dead space 2 came along and did quite a bit better and it was more action oriented if they may have overestimated the genre spanning success mm-hmm. of sure. that formula mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe it's just that enough people went back and played dead space one in used copies that were never reflected in sales for them so then they turned around and bought dead space two because they really liked it mm-hmm. and you're really just capitalizing on an audience that primarily just likes horror games well i hope that these uh big publishers start to realize that People hit a point where they, they get the idea, they already have it, and they're not slaves to sequel mentality. They can think, Dead Space 2 gave me all the Dead Space that I want, it was a great time, but uh, I've got a limited amount of money, I want to buy something new and interesting that I don't already have a version of. I don't already have a version of, oh, I don't know, what was a... What's been the big hit of this year so far? It's kind of been nothing so far, right? Mm, Bioshock Infinite, I believe, is done oh, quite well. Oh, sure. And Bioshock Infinite is not like Bioshock. Uh, it plays a bit like Bioshock, but in terms of setting, in terms of tone, um, in terms of a lot of stuff, it's a brand new thing. So people were excited to buy it, more so than Bioshock 2, which was a little bit too similar to the original for a lot of people. So hopefully they'll wise up to that. Wouldn't you say? No. Because they're controlled by the shareholders who don't understand the first thing about the business. They just like the money they see from it. And they want results. And you've got these fucking publishers caught in the middle with their fingers up their arseholes, not knowing what to do anymore. Well, when you well, say, and, and they want the results yeah. immediately, too. They want yeah. an immediate reflection of it because we no longer invest in companies with the idea that over the long term, the money that we put into it will be reflected in a steady dividend uh, increase and a, um, you know, an increase in overall value over time because the business is sustainable. They want to make mm-hmm. a lot of money very quickly so mm-hmm. they can turn around and get out and put their money somewhere else that's going to be short-term profitable or whatever. It's just, it, it's, 
George. investment climate's so different. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's how uh, everyone in the stock market I know says never keep stock for very long. Find what's big, buy it, or find what's small, buy it, wait for it to get big, uh, sell it, and then move on, move on. Find something shit else. can't sustain. Mm. It's already turned the game industry into this, as I've described it before, as this Rube Goldberg machine now. Mm. Just this convoluted, overly complex system that shouldn't even work and somehow is finding ways to to kind of work. Um, I don't like it. Yeah, of course. Don't the like underlying it. problem thank is... God, like... Thank God we have Kickstarter to subvert it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah, never know. Um, I've got one thing that'll uh, be foolproof, though. Oh? Anyone investing, right, in Uh reality TV right now Mm -hmm. are going to see an immense amount of money over a short amount of time. Because we have on our side Gordon Ramsay. Oh, no, more Gordon Ramsay. Didn't you talk about him already today? Oh, yes, more Gordon (laughs) Ramsay. No, we talked about the restaurant, but I've got some more TV pitches for Gordon Ramsay. For a new series for Gordon. Yeah, uh, yeah, as you know, every week, we've been doing it for years, <laughs> we come up with new ideas for Gordon Ramsay, new TV show ideas, reality TV. It's a big thing, Jonathan Holmes. It is very popular, very or popular. hated. Yeah, it's a love or hate thing. It is. Um, and Gordon Ramsay is one of the hottest commodities in British and American television. He's, he crosses oceans. So, two ideas for you. First one. Gordon Ramsay, the two-faced twat. I am very excited about this show. It's set up in the same way, as many of these ideas are going to be, it's set up in the same way as Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. Mm -hmm. A restaurant is struggling. A restaurant is floundering. They're in debt. The customers are drying up. They need the help of the... Is it 14 Michelin stars now, man? Gordon Ramsay award-winning chef, owns an empire. Help us, Gordon, please. Gordon Ramsay turns up, uh, promises them he's going to help them out. He does his usual thing. They think they're on Kitchen Nightmares. Um, But things go a bit awry. First of all, he does his normal thing, comes in, looks around the restaurant. Oh, fucking fuck. This is a restaurant, isn't it? it? Fuck. Sits down. All right, I'll have the fucking Doritos on cheese. I'll have the fucking yogurt steak and I'll have a fucking glass of wine. They bring the food out and he eats it and they're nervous. They're like, oh my God, he's going to hate this. He's going to hate this. He's like, mm, mm, mm. I'll tell you what, I've eaten in some shitty pigsties in my time and this is not one of them. That is fucking lovely. Make more of that. I don't need to change a fucking thing on this menu. Every time the server goes away, he looks at the camera and says, this is fucking shit. <laughs> this is like eating a dog's anus cut out from the back of a dog and cooked on a blanket of bacon-soaked piss. Piss-soaked bacon, I meant to have said. I'm that, I'm that fucking disgusted with this food. I can't even say things right. I can't even insult this. This is shit. Oh, she's coming back. I want more of this. This is lovely. This is probably the best dinner I've ever fucking had. In fact, it makes me want to give up being a chef because I can't do better than that. Here is $5. Give it to the chef. 
on top of him paying for the food. To, on top of uh, him paying for the food. Wow. Waiter goes and gives that to the or waitress or well, we call them servers. Um, mm. goes and gives that to the chef. He looks at the camera again and says, "I fucking came on that five dollars. That five dollar note. I smeared my jizz on that. He's gonna fucking touch it, dirty pig. He fucking deserves it and all for serving me this kind of." fucking hot gin. Oh, the pudding's arrived. Thank fuck. And he keeps I'm... eating it? Oh, yeah, he keeps eating it. He puts up. He puts on a whole show that he loves this food. And then as soon as no one's looking, he's, he's slagging it off to the camera. Two-faced twat. People he... would love this show. Yeah, he's not, absolutely not genuine about anything he's telling them. He's telling them they don't need help and everything, but they're like, oh, we're failing. And he says, well, well what are we going to do? Because I love this restaurant so fucking much. I want it to succeed, my darling. I want this to do well. I wish you all the best. He just looks at the camera just a little bit and just sneers. What we're going to do is tonight we're going to have the big relaunch. Tonight is the most important night at Chateau Le Bleu. You're going to tell them, Gordon Ramsay's coming tonight. It's going to be a massive thing, a great big do. I'm going to be here. I'm going to hold a fucking raffle for my chef's hat. Come and buy a raffle ticket. If we call your number, you win my fucking chef's hat. And uh, that's the first hat I ever had. It's like Scrooge McDuck's Lucky Fucky Dime. That's how much that means to me. And that's how much the success of this restaurant means to me. The camera follows them, like spends a whole 10 minutes of the show dedicated to following the owners and the staff throughout the day, really excited and just, they can't wait. This is their big relaunch, their big reboot night. Gordon Ramsay's going to be promoting it. He's brought in D. Snyder to help them promote it. D. fucking Snyder from Twisted Sister, my old fucking friend. He's only going to perform his famous song here tonight, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. That's not him. It is. D. Snyder's like, that's not me. It's like, what? You're doing every rose as it's fucking thorn, D. That would sound terrible by D. Snyder. All right. Bring your acoustic. So that's all going on. Mm. They're gearing up for opening. They open the doors, expecting to see everyone, but then they're really confused. No one's there. Across the road, a queue halfway round the block at their rival restaurant. And there's flyers, posters all over town. Gordon Ramsay hosts Chili Cook-Off Night at Chili House of Chili. He's across the street helping them out. The rest, <laughs> the restaurant That's so o- mean! The restaurant owner's talking to the camera just, uh, I feel betrayed. I, he said he'd help us out. He said this was our big night. I, my, my wife's in tears. And he's in there. I can see him. Like it, it, it looks. I mean, I don't want to accuse him of anything. It, it looks like he keeps going up to the front window of the other restaurant, pressing his hands and face up to the glass, and just laughing at us. Just, I can. See, he's doing it right now. And the camera sort of pans across his shoulder, and you just see Gordon Ramsay stood at the front window of the opposite restaurant, hands flat against the glass, and his face. He's just. <laughs> <laughs> and someone taps him on the shoulder in the restaurant and says, oh more chili you damn fucking right this restaurant's great and he goes back to them 
and the restaurant owner and the and Chateau Le Bleu is like, well, I'm not standing for this. He pro- he made a promise. He was going to be our savior. I'm going over there. Crosses the street, goes over there, goes over to Gordon Ramsay and says, "What are you doing? Why are you serving chili to the, to our enemies?" And he's like, "There, just got a giant spoon of chili, plopping it on people's plates." He's like, "What? Fuck off!" Whoa. What he are you doing? Two, I thought he was going to be fake nice. and try No, no, no. He says, he says, fuck off. What are you doing? We said that we're doing the relaunch tomorrow. <laughs> I've got to make money while I'm in town. I'm doing yours Whoa. for free. So they paid me very generously to do this chili cook-off here at this restaurant. He said, but I'm sure you said tonight is the night. He said, no, tom- tomorrow's the night. I've got D Snyder. He's really excited. He looks at the camera and says he's already on a plane back to New fucking York. So we will. Snyder s- flew in. <laughs> yes. Stayed in his hotel room. Yep. Just watched uh, Two If by Sea, starring the that guy from Boston and Sandra Bullock. Absolutely. And then flew back. And then flew back to Long Island. And um, so, but anyway, obviously, what happens then is the next night. We don't see the restaurant again. We just see Gordon Ramsay on a plane, hands behind his head, just laughing again. Just <laughs> and then another person on the uh, flight taps him on the shoulder, says, "Excuse me, can you be quiet? You're really loud and waking up my baby." He says, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'll give you a million dollars. I'm Gordon Ramsay." <laughs> he looks at the camera and just shakes his head. I was picturing Rat's song, Come On, Feel the Noise, playing uh, as he was doing his last cackle. We can definitely do that. <laughs> Just felt right, because it's almost E. Schneider, but not quite. That would be one of the most popular television shows, if not the most popular television show of the modern era. Yeah. That would be the next I Love Lucy. And every single week it's just the same thing. Like he'll like Kitchen Nightmares is the same thing every single week. People wouldn't get sick of that. People no. would not get sick of the you know, of course the only problem, uh, not to be a bring down, but once the show airs, no one's gonna trust that Gordon Ramsay is doing uh, a real show. They're gonna think he's doing the two face show. Ah, but that's where we're clever. Yeah. We air Kitchen Nightmares. We film and air Kitchen Nightmares and Gordon Ramsay the Two-Faced Twat at the same time. So no one knows which one they're going to get. You just don't know. <laughs> and you want to try. And Yeah, and oh, you'll want to see God. season two then. Because then the restaurant owners will be more savvy. And they're like, now is this definitely the real Kitchen Nightmares? This isn't Two-Faced Twat. And he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. This, I cross my heart. That was one season. What you think we could get away with it a second season? I think. Well, and, and they'll they'll be able to edit them differently. So for the Kitchen Nightmares episodes, they'll edit out all of the reference of people being nervous that he might be disingenuous mm. or whatever. And then for Two Faced Twat, you know, just throw all that crap in there because that just adds to the entertainment value. <laughs> As he convinces them that right. They- Exactly. They, they, they're done with that series. Much, much in the way Jonathan Holmes convinces us every week of various ideas for no. things that we should do together. <laughs> I don't ever... That's true. Like, I mean, I wasn't even sold on the idea of turning him into a skeleton earlier on, but he... I mean, he, made a, he makes a good cut. Persuasive. He's very persuasive. He is a persuasive man. I wonder if you did a Kickstarter for that, how much money you'd get. So much money. 
I think you might get $2 million for that if you got Gordon Ramsay to do it. <laughs> Without Gordon Ramsay, I bet you could still get like 200000 500000 Yeah, so I need $5,000 to fly to Gordon Ramsay's house and ask him. And then people about five million to deal with his lawyers after, <laughs> yeah. just to see what happens. People would be overjoyed. But I have to pee, piss. I don't know what's the manly word for it. Tinkle. I've got to, guys. Tinkle. Uh, should we do the podtoid questions? Because I don't want to get an infection. <laughs> yeah, go on. You'll get one if you don't pee. You know. Oh yes. Yeah, um, you've probably heard about it. I mean, that's I probably be the most benign infection you could have. Given some of the ideas that that you've got planned for us next, week. I don't have any. No, I did want to talk about how uh, EA tested the Frostbite engine on the Wii U and said, "Yeah, not good enough." So a bunch of Frostbite games aren't going to come to the Wii U. Maybe I thought that was darn interesting, but we're kind of out of time, and I've got you know. Plus, it's the Wii U, so fuck it. Yeah, I don't know how interesting that really is. <laughs> I thought because the Wii U, technically, from what I know, uh, people have developed for it, say that's a little more powerful than the PS3. Um, I think it should be able just to do about, I think just about everyone who's going to buy a Wii U uh, is only going to buy first-party Nintendo games on it anyway. Well, it, it wouldn't have to be that way, though. I'd assume if the uh, games were there, then people might think, oh, it's a system that has those kinds of games. Maybe I'll play my games on that thing. Jim quite like the enjoyed GameCube. <laughs> well, the GameCube was uh they weren't they weren't there. The third party support wasn't quite there in the same way. You didn't get your Metal Gear Solids and your Grand Theft Autos on there. Uh but Jim was uh, playing uh, the Black Ops two on there. Uh yeah, that came quite after the fact and then it well, was still, they got it. And it was in several ways the superior version. And Yoshi was in it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. But purists hated it, they, and they already had that game. No, they changed the voice that. acting. That was that was the only mistake that they made with that. Well, and adding those extra, like, badass move cutscenes. But yeah, yeah, they kind of missed the point of Solid Snake as a character and and what they what the series says about war. Um, apart like, from completely undermining the entire series message, Twin Snakes is great. Oh, dude, it's yeah, it's awesome. But people oh, already had that game. They wanted a new Metal Gear. You know, they wanted Metal Gear Three. Instead, they got remake. That's well, better. So we're gonna have the, uh, what a surprise! We're going to have a Nintendo console that yeah. follows the trend of all other Nintendo consoles, except for the one people, that had an explosive. Uh, you know, people want a Sony and Cher comeback tour as well, but Cher is dead. <laughs> but EA said, "Remember, they were like, oh, it's going to be an unprecedented partnership. Wii U, so good." Gonna do they things. say that every time to sell their launch titles and then run away. <laughs> they do that with every system. Ubisoft does that like pathologically. Mm. They'll have like half a dozen launch titles for every new system just to try and make as much money as they can while the buzz is hot. And then they'll scurry away like they farted in your bedroom. Well, did... <laughs> do you think that EA doesn't want Nintendo to succeed? Do you think they care either way? No, I don't think they care either way. I think they're too busy looking after themselves. Sure. 
uh, do you think there'd be anything in it for them if the Wii U no, dies out? No, they, no. I, I, you know, I think they. W- I think if Nintendo, if if like the Wii U disappeared from the landscape, mm-hmm. that would probably be viewed as a positive by a lot of the major publishers, who then no longer have to consider the expense of putting their game onto another platform for whatever reason. So I think that that would probably be viewed less competition among platforms yeah. as a positive for the publishers. Yeah, I can't help but imagine that. I don't they think would that's want... Wii U specific, though. That's... Oh, no, no, it's not limited to the Wii U. Though. I mean, yeah. they all say they want just... one platform, one future. Sure. So right. if they can, not anything personal against Nintendo, of course, but if they could be like, uh, let's kind of encourage. Well, they're, they're the easy that. target right now. Sure. They're the only one. There's no there. conspiracy. Oh no! They're the one that you could. Se- they're they're the one that's not running with the herd, and that maybe we can separate off and slaughter quietly. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it seems to me, and that um, it, they would want to have the console succeed that favors their business practices the most, and also is a place where they can really be a dominant force and control the direction of how. Games are developed. Games are uh, creatively seen. Games right. Games I just sold. think it's they can never be the dominating force. Ma- it's more self-interest than malice, though. Oh no, it's, no, never malice. I never, never, ever think that malice gets involved in these business decisions. At the end That's of the day, if the do. if the Wii U was doing what the Wii did, then they'd be all over it. Sure. Um, it's not so then realize again that it didn't extend beyond first-party Nintendo titles or the pack-in. Uh, whereby then after another six months they would all slink back into the shadows once more never to grace the console yeah. again in a significant fashion. And the only problem this time is is Nintendo's forgotten to, <laughs> to fulfill its end of this scenario and give us more games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I described the Wii U as uh, a console that has unlaunched itself uh, on subhomes with Sean Velasco, of uh, Yacht Club games. You should watch that episode. Sean one was good. Who else did he have on there? He had Waz and Aaron. That was fun. Yeah, that'll be uh, up. It's not up yet. Uh, but uh, fun. Anyway, I should do those questions. Thanks for uh, humoring my topic real quick, guys. Appreciate it. Mike Cosimano, who has... I should plug Mike. Mike has put a bunch of um, ditties... He put the Sup Holmes uh, song and a short version of the Talking to Women About Video Game song up on Bandcamp uh, for ringtones. And he was selling them, and I think nobody bought them. So now he's put them on for free. So look for that at Mike Cosimano on Twitter. Check him out. He'll uh, show you where that is. He asks, what would you guys think if Activision started a Kickstarter for the next Call of Duty? What would you think? I mean, they could, right? Just I, hey, I, if you want to give I us think some it money, a, it, it would be a bold move. I think it would be a very bold move. It's not that different from the the podcast Kickstarter. Well, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. I, I like. I would, I would sit back and watch and be very entertained. I think the realistically, the response would be um, outrage on the part of the gaming community. Uh, outside of the gaming community, I don't think you get a whole lot of participation in it in the first place. Uh, because I, I don't, well, I mean, maybe. Maybe those people are doing Kickstarters now. I don't know. Uh, but I would think that the mainstream audience that relies upon Call of Duty uh, would be largely unaware of the campaign without a lot of marketing expense, like 
major publicity television and so forth on Activision's part, which seems silly to imagine, but let's say hypothetically they do it for whatever reason. I mean, they would have to pour so much into getting enough people aware that wouldn't think it was a incredibly arrogant, um, just absurd thing to attempt uh, that I, I expect it would have to fail just by design. But um, I don't know. I think a lot of people, if they made the rewards uh, fun enough and if they gave uh, backers early access to the game, I think a lot of people would just be like, sure, I'm going to buy it anyway. Here's 60 bucks. Because uh, that's how Kickstarter works. In a way, it's just like the best pre-order system ever. It really is an excellent best. pre-order system. And I'm to the point, it, it sounds, it sounds kind of awful, but I have a hard time even taking Kickstarters seriously unless they're from a quantity that I'm familiar with. You know, whether it be a group of designers who I've seen some of their work and I know they can deliver a product mm-hmm. uh, or or whatever. And in that circumstance, I know Activision can deliver a product. It's probably sure. not a product I want. And I'm probably not going to buy into anything that they... But I would, I would know absolutely without a doubt that if it got funded, it would get made. Sure. So. I have the feeling that's why the Shovel Knight Kickstarter did better than other Kickstarters of the same type. Because these guys are legit. They've made games that people respect and enjoyed, and they know they can deliver. But now I'm getting off. It's one of those. Well, but it's it's one of those things. Journalists, uh, a lot of us, I think, have, or you know, and the bloggers and the writers and so forth. Everyone who makes up games media, there's been a real shying away from Kickstarter in recent months. I think, and uh, because it doesn't always go as well as you hope or this, that, and the other. And there's, there's all of those risks associated with it. So we tend to only talk about them once they become a success mm-hmm. or, or, once they're, or when they're from people we, we know. And that's right. why we can spread those stories more quickly and get more attention on those because they're established people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's easier can... for us to have faith that it's something that's going to be uh, accomplished, ex- uh, accepted, or interesting to people. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, should I do another question? Or J- Jim, did you want to speak to that? I feel bad. Just kind of talked over you. Um, I think that my initial reaction to the question is what I would do. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, wisecracking, at Wisecracking on Twitter, asks, what would you like to see from the hypothetical John Carpenter Dead Space film? I was just reading about that before we started the show. John Carpenter, who for my money, has changed over the years much more so than George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or other directors that people really uh, had a, a worship for 20 years ago. He is, does not make movies like that anymore. But he wants to make a Dead Space film. Uh, I can't help but hold out. It would be better than no Dead Space film. Could be something, right? Maybe? Why don't you just release a special edition of the thing, slap a Dead Space logo on the front of the box, and everyone will be happier? <laughs> well, that's the thing. He would want to make another. He would want to make a, a thing like movie where they're and the thing was just kind of like Alien, except uh, sillier and grosser and more fun uh, for me. Anyway, I would, though I respect Alien very much. I enjoy watching the thing a whole lot more. Um. Yeah, you would just have to make the thing in space, which is alien, and it would just be bad because he made Ghosts of Mars and just the lighting. He like forgot how to light a movie. It's all flat. 
looks like a bad TV show. His his later movies is weird, and of course, uh, getting actors and characters to act in a way that's fun to watch just doesn't happen anymore either. But with Kurt Russell, could he save it? <laughs> no, he can't even save it. I just remembered Escape from L.A., which I kind of like, but again, in like a made-for-Netflix, laugh-at-it sort of movie. But there, you, that's a great side-by-side comparison. Mm, you know, Escape yeah. from New York and Escape from L.A., you can really see the difference between earlier John Carpenter and, and sort of where he was heading, at least, with Escape from L.A. He wasn't Absolutely. quite, he hadn't it quite makes developed the difference, yet. Yeah, to, to me, people talk about George Lucas a lot because he had such an emotional impact, the way he changed as a filmmaker over the years. But John Carpenter, wow, that makes the prequels look like spot on, uh, the amount he changed over the years. Jim, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm taking your time up before you could talk. That's fine. No? Nothing to report on that? Um, all I know is John Carpenter said he was stupid for buying Aliens Colonial Marines in an interview recently. <laughs> he said something about that. how people are free to, you know, buy things. Um, uh, it was something about, you know, the misrepresenting of, of Aliens Colonial Marines, and he just said people have the freedom to buy what they want, like I did with Aliens Colonial Marines, stupidly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which made me love him. Um, I find Carpenter hit and miss. I love some mm. of his stuff. Other stuff, like that one he did, I can't even remember the fucking name of it now. What it, happened? To it you? wasn't a younger. It wasn't an older film either. It was part of the three films he did. The Thing was one of them, and there were two others that were like not a Red trilogy, Rambo? but huh. thematically he puts them all together. Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. That's the one. Yeah, I can't, it's not I, that great. I don't know what it is. It's got I, some good I, parts. There's some things about it that I really, really like. Like, sure. um, uh, what's what's her name? The the short red hair. Um, oh, yeah. uh, she she was also in Profit, which was a 1996 series uh, on Fox starring Adrian Pasdar. Uh, lasted four episodes before it got cancelled. They released it on DVD in 2003 or 2004. My friend Flannel recently recommended Profit to me. I think you would find it very interesting. It's it's about a a guy who's sort of performing a one-man corporate takeover of a major multinational corporation. Like Johnson & Johnson, basically. Uh, he doesn't want to be. He wants to operate it from the shadows, and so he's manipulating people all left and right. It's very political. Has some early CGI in it that is um, <clears throat> special, but uh, <laughs> it, but it was it was written by David Greenwald, who uh, later went on to uh, co-produce Buffy the Vampire Slayer and write and produce Angel. So and now does Grimm. So um, yeah, I highly recommend people check out Profit. No, oh, interesting. I had no but anyway, idea. anyway, so that 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 woman is in it. Um, Alice Cooper's in it. Alice Cooper's in it. Yeah, he was he was worth watching. Yeah, uh, it, it's but it's so weird, and it spends so much time on techno babble and just yeah, it's drags. weird. It's weird in one of those uncompelling ways. Like there's a way to yeah. be weird where it's just fascinating. It's like you know David Lynchy type. Well, this is weird but really engrossing and then there's a kind of weird that just alienates you because it just it's a weirdness that doesn't give a fuck whether you're enjoying it or not well it's just it was just paced kind of poorly like it didn't create any tension it just 
was boring and so yeah it was just pleased with itself it was just happy with its own thing and mm, yeah that's it didn't matter that you went now for me carpenter's all about halloween i like halloween too as well they live big trouble in little china and the thing god they live they live oh, probably so my good. favorite it's, it's so, good. so fucking shit but i love it so much in a glorious way yeah it's it, it is balls out the the beginning is just unbelievable that he thought it was okay to just spend like twenty five to thirty minutes of just Rowdy Roddy Piper walking around, being like, I don't really know what to do today, and then just showing a church with some people being like, there may be a problem later. You better get ready. And then Rowdy Roddy Piper just in the doorway like, oh, this guy's got a lot to say. And just it's more kind of minutes like, of that after that. So many it's minutes. sort of an homage to to. Kubrick, I think, what he's doing Whoa. there. Wow. Just sort of dragging out the exposition over a very long timeline because you don't really have that much content in your story. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's not all that much interesting that's going to happen. So you really want to space it out early on. Because once you get moving, you know, you get that ball rolling down the hill, you can't stop it. You well, have then after to... that, it becomes incredible. As soon as uh, the glasses show up, then it's like the best movie I've ever seen. But anyway, oof. Yes, yes. But you got to fill 90 minutes. <laughs> Couldn't you just do 30 interesting minutes of him just not having no... No, he's no, because no then... backstory, he's got no friends, he's... Yeah? He'd have, if he'd have used that 30 minutes for anything else, he'd have mm-hmm. just extended the fight scene some more. <laughs> Such a good fight scene. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I love that movie a lot. Uh, flaws and all. Uh, We've got a professional wrestler. He's going to roll around drunk in this alley for, like, ever. And they got him paired against Keith David. Nothing against Keith David. He's a, a strong-looking fella. But Rowdy Rowdy Piper would kill him. He would kill him. Anyway, uh, Christopher Suzak who's Cruztack on Twitter, asks if any of us play a musical instrument. I don't think I know that about you, Jim and Conrad. I, I don't. Uh, I tried to, I played, when I was in, in school, um, I, was, I tried to be in a band. Uh, and I played French horn. Oh, yeah? That's an yeah. instrument. You can and play then, uh, and then I, I, I played. I, I transitioned to trumpet after a couple of years of French horn, uh, but I don't. I don't remember any of it really. Um, I'm sure, it would come back to you. No, probably not. Like blowing into a bicycle. Just no. And I'm not interested. I like. I, I fantasized about learning keyboard, but. Oh, yeah. you could do that. It's like playing a video game. Playing an instrument is so much like playing a video game. A lot of the time. And like a video game, it matters how much you enjoy it while you're failing. And if you're not having fun when you're failing, you're never going to get good at it. But if you can enjoy not quite getting there, but uh, the process is still fun, then you'll get good. And you, Jim, you play nothing? You play something? I'm the complete... I'm like anti-music. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, a friend once tried to teach me to just play a single chord on his guitar. Just one chord. He showed me what to do. I had my fingers in the right place. And then the second when it came to play it, just everything went wrong. I can't, cannot do musical instruments at all. Oh, but you're very good at video games. I've seen you playing them. 
Yeah, I just yeah. there's something about music I just can't do, which which is upsetting and frustrating because I love music. I yeah, would, you're I a would, good singer too. I would love to make music. I have tunes that come up in my brain that I think are incredible, mm. but I can't communicate them. I can't do them. It's horrible. I'm gonna take my wild guess on you, as uh, oh, that sounded kind of weird. Um, you seem like you'd be the kind of guy who respects music so much that if you started playing it and you did kind of badly, you would think, uh, I, I feel bad for music. I'm like hurting music by doing a bad job of it and then just kind of drop it. Um, but you can just make up a little tune on the Casio keyboard, just note by note and record it, and then you've got a thing. You could work I, admire your, I admire your ability to do that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's, it's just not yeah. something, it's not something that comes naturally to me. For whatever reason, I will make up a song while around the house about whatever stupid asinine bullshit I'm doing at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I like I can swing that, but uh, actually, then putting the music behind it, it, it it's like a foreign language. Oh, you could do it. I did it's once just... compose a song. I've forgotten it now. I forget all my songs. I did once write a song about Bruce Willis waking up one day and he's a baby. And, and I think the song, because it's been so long, but I think the song was criticizing Bruce Willis for being a baby. That just just great. wondering why he'd do that and why that's now happening. I hope you somehow put that together, because I would, I would find people, I'm sure uh, someone out there in Podtoid Land would love to help make that a real song. But it, the, my thing is I have an underlying disrespect for all music. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, anyone can just do that, whatever. You know, you're just playing a thing. Oh, you're very good. Whatever. Uh, I can just play it too. Because my older brother, who I've talked about a little bit on the show, is incredibly good at electric guitar. And all he cared about was the technique. He would just listen to Yngwie Malmsteen and Jason Becker and other neoclassical guitarists and just care so much. And I just didn't think it sounded that much better than, like, the Ramones. I was like, the Ramones, I like those songs, and those guys are terrible at their instruments. At least at the beginning they were. So that led me to think that anyone who just tries and has fun in the process can make a thing you might like. And that's why there's the Talking to Women About Video Games album, which is on sale for a buck right now. I just remembered that. Anyway, questions? More? I got a pee. I can do a couple more. A couple people who seem really desperate. Pablo Sansonetti, who's uh, Velt Cardio, says he's, this is the 11th time he's asked this question, and we've never answered it. Oh, we better answer it then. <laughs> In five years, are consoles going to be more or less relevant than PC gaming? I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I will answer it with yes. No, no, no. I think that in five years, uh, the line will be blurred. Yes. So who knows? Yes. It'll be a different Consoles kind of thing. Consoles will be more or less relevant than PC gaming. Is a console a PC now? Kind of. So what's the difference? Where you play it? Are PCs going to be attached to our TVs more? That's the difference. Is a phone your house? Yeah. Is a, Am I going to live in my phone? Is my phone my computer? Is my house going to be a phone? Is my dog a spreadsheet? <laughs> Maybe it will be. Can I oh. eat my 
fridge and put little fridges in a giant taquito. And then eat the taquito? Eat the taquito and threw out a fridge (laughs) full of little taquitos. And then you can eat that taquito again. And then I am the fridge. (laughs) People will open me up and pull little fridges out of me. And inside the fridge, a game console. Whoa. That circle of life. (laughs) I've been, I was just thinking about this next question this morning. Um, I almost wanted to write a feature about it, but then I thought, eh, uh, that toasty base on Twitter, uh, named Connor. He asks, why do you think Phil Fish is treated as someone who does morally wrong things when really he just responds angrily to hate? That's not entirely true. Uh, Phil Fish does come off as quite abrasive sometimes as a lot of people who Phil, from what I know is the kind of guy who thinks after he feels and just kind of spits out exactly. Um, that's why he's so interesting. Um, he doesn't have much of a, uh, a sensor, an internal sensor and he feels bad about it later and he doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He's, um, apologized a lot for a lot of things, but I think it's really weird when people say, uh, I'm not buying that guy's games because from what I can tell on Twitter, I wouldn't like him in real life and therefore not going to enjoy the games. Like, if I only played games by people I like personally or dislike personally, it would be... I'd be playing a lot of weird games, a lot of different games, a lot of worse games, probably. A lot of people I love make terrible games and vice versa, so it's just not a good way to think. I don't think. What do you guys think? Uh, I I underst- I feel I wouldn't want to presume because mm. I don't think Phil Fish likes us, uh, so well, I wouldn't likes, want to insult him. I think he likes some of us, but there's some of us he does not like at all. No. Yeah, it's, mm. so I don't want to presume, mm-hmm. but I feel like I understand him. Yeah, as someone who is in, you know, I I have been subject to a lot of hate over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it has been my fault as much as anyone else's. And I think when I see the way he's been reacting lately, when he gets very angry with people and, and almost feels that it almost looks like he's seeking trouble mm. when he'll make a big public response and, you know, tell trolls to eat it and tell people to suck his dick and, and will make a big show. Like when Fez was selling well on steam and he was like, I'll eat it boycotters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, he's a dick. He's, he's asking to be trolled. Um, but then later, he he more recently sort of tweeted that he's sick of it and he's upset and he uh, doesn't like that people are making him out to be this bad guy. And a lot of people are like, well, he's making his own problems. He's clearly doing this on purpose. He goes out looking for trouble, then gets upset when the trouble finds him. But as someone who's been in that, state of mind I find it very difficult to fault Phil Fish Mm. Um, because I it's hard to explain really but there is this when someone when when you're subject to a lot of people insulting you um, on the internet you become very um, reactionary to it you you want to fight back um, and I think that's natural. I think anyone who feels slighted and insulted wants to, to lash out and fight back. And in the moment, 
it feels good to do. Mm-hmm. So good that you forget what the backlash to your backlash feels like. Mm. It's one of those things where it's... I mean, it's so difficult to put this in words. It's one of those things that I totally understand, but have never felt like vocalizing before. Mm. Um, but in that moment, you you feel like there's no other way out of the situation you're in than to lash out at it and fight it. Always forgetting that, that you're fighting a giant scalding kettle. And this giant scalding kettle is is calling you a twat and you're punching the kettle and burning your hand every time. Mm-hmm. And you just get the, the angrier you get as you punch this kettle, the more you want to punch it. Mm-hmm. Until eventually the hand is just a giant blister and then the pain hits you. It all kind of everything that's been building up that you weren't quite feeling while you were punching suddenly drops on you and then you're I don't like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I've done a terrible job right. vocalizing it. Um No, that was a perfect job. Uh it is the it is the fight or flight instinct. It is a primitive self defense uh mechanism in the brain, the amygdala triggers and you think I feel threatened. And a psychological threat is no different than a, a physical threat to the subconscious. So you feel threatened like you're gonna get hurt so you think, I'm going to fight back and I'm going to hurt them before they can hurt me. And it, it's not something that goes through people's frontal lobe. Because if you think it through, you would be like, that's not going to work. But it's a primitive reaction. We're all prone to it. We're all uh, mammals. We all have that. But we're also human beings. And eventually we get to the point where we realize, most of us anyway, get to the point where we realize it's not working, though. I know some people who don't get to that point and then just get permanently pissed off and depressed and miserable um and i yeah i've at least tried a lot more now to reach the point where i remember what it feels Mm -hmm. like to Mm -hmm. be in that when you get into that cycle um because you do when you're in the cycle you don't you forget it's so easy to forget it's like the taste of um jelly babies Mm. You have I've one, heard of those. You have one or two, and it's great. And then you forget what three's like, because <laughs> that's a place of darkness and misery. Um, and and all I can say is, as someone who who I feel like I've taken a lot more of a Zen approach these days, and I don't, I try not to get drawn out on Twitter, especially. Mm. It's a terrible place to argue, um, and I try and prize debate above all else. And the the impact it has is incredible. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, just a few months ago, I was getting migraines like every week. Mm. Um, but these days, I've become so concerned with work because I do something different every day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even have time to get into massive fights on Twitter. And if one starts, I found it so much easier to just let go because I've got s- literally so much else to do mm-hmm. um, that I don't get migraines and freaked out and shit anymore. And I see people in my position, like other writers, fellow writers at the moment, who find Twitter very stressful to deal with, and and they're in that situation, that cycle, and and it's you can't just tell someone not to do it. They, it's something they they've got to get burned enough times to where they're like, I don't want to punch that kettle anymore. I find it really cathartic to to write the response. That's you know, that's part I write of it. the response. I don't 
send it. That's the problem people have. Is and that's the trick. I could have the catharsis, and you know, I mean, my ego is potent enough that I can be like, "Yeah, I'm fucking right, and I know it. Mm. Screw you. I don't need to sure. prove it to this guy that I'm right." You know, I can write the response and say, "Wow, that's really well composed. I am one witty motherfucker," and then I can delete it and move on with my life. Yeah. Though I have noticed, Conrad, your comments on the Detoid YouTube videos are their own show. And they are. I think people are going to come just for those comments. They are well-measured, uh, fair, uh, non-spiteful, uh, non-combative, but firm and direct and uh, strong in, in uh, responding to criticisms. Such I, as shit suck, I, where t- t- Max and Tara will <laughs> be like, interesting, shit suck, eh? Tell me more. You know, you, you do very well with those. Uh, well, I, I want people, I, I want to elevate the level of discourse, and I'm not going to do it by lowering myself to that level. Mm. You know, I, I, I would like to put forth in everything I do at least the standard to which I would like to receive conversation and reply. And it's astounding. If you demonstrate to some of these, a lot of these people that you're like, you know, I I appreciate that you don't like this, but I wish you would find a more effective way of conveying why they will do it because they're not that level. Yeah, they're not stupid. You know, no, No, it's nice to see that people think that they just don't care and they don't think you care. Right, and I think if you show that you care, they are willing to be open to the idea of caring also, which I, I appreciate. I've made so. fans out of haters doing that. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, that's part of the reason why Jimquisition is where it's at now. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't have, have engaged in feedback and, and valued what people have to say, even if they weren't saying it in the nicest of ways, the show wouldn't Phil, have got better. And Phil Fish hasn't figured that out yet. If he really was the master strategist that people may think that he is and come on he spent five years working on uh basically a 2d platformer he's not a master strategist and, and, and very nearly couldn't show it at a major event because of it <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean the fact that he has succeeded from what i can tell given his lack of business acumen and just that he's uh he's a raw nerve he's a fireball yeah. he's He's barely, and, and he made a great game. I love Fez. The but trouble is, as mm. well, is lately he's trying to make himself look like a master strategist. Um, you know, he's got the Kaufman avatar on Twitter and everything. And again, this is something I feel I under. I could be totally wrong about him. I mm. want to make that clear, but it's something I've recognized in myself over the years. In this idea that it's better to make them think that they're dancing to your tune. Mm-hmm. than have them think they're doing of their own agency. And sure. it's, again, like Conrad said, there's a catharsis in that, in making it look like you are... Everything's happening according to your design. Sure. Um, but the catharsis lasts literally a few seconds. And when you realise all it's done is encourage them to keep doing it even more, and even more guiltlessly, mm-hmm. because now they're thinking, oh, well, he's deliberately doing all this, let's give him what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, then, it, you know, once again, the hand's getting burned and the catharsis is all but dried up. And it's it's so easy to get into that cycle because that it's almost like... It's exactly like heroin addiction. <laughs> it's the broken promise. It's the chasing of the high, mm-hmm. of the small high you had that sure. gets smaller and smaller every time. Until you've you got to chain yourself to a radiator. 
Is that a Black Snake Moan reference? Uh, could be. That's a weird movie. Philfish Moan. <laughs> that would be a pretty darn good movie. We turn into a radiator, if... but the radiator is also a smartphone, so it doesn't <laughs> work. Would he be uh, Christina Ricci or Samuel Jackson? Both. <laughs> I'd watch that in a second. Oh, Tommy Refinis uh, made a poster for The Witness. Uh, Jonathan Blow's The Witness. So while we're talking about indie game, the movie people, everyone should see this poster. Tommy Refinis is the programmer for Super Meat Boy. I didn't know he had this kind of uh, Photoshop skill. His poster for The Witness is the, the best poster. Gotta see it. Find, find him on Twitter. Tommy Refinis. Watch to see it. This poster. We should plug our things because I gotta go. I'll plug go. your thing. Did you get <laughs> that? I think so. Yeah. Butthole? Yeah. Butthole. Yeah. yeah you should I don't... probably just get a splint for his urethra because at this <laughs> point he's gonna run out of capability to hold it. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing alright. I'm, I'm cross legged. I feel yeah. alright. Um, okay. I'll go first. Fuck Please it. do. Let's, yes, I'll get through you. it quickly. Um, yes. What have I done? I can't do it quickly anymore. I reviewed Mars Walk. No one cares. Fuck it. I uh, did Jimquisition on escapersmagazine.com. Um, mm. This week is called... Uh, it's got a long title. Lawsuits, huh? Memes, and Tasty Medicine, I think. That's it's, right. it's a bit more on the Warner Brothers, Fifth Cell, Scribblenauts, Nyan Cat lawsuit. Oh, the cat lawsuit! The cat lawsuit, which you said would make a good Willem Dafoe movie. It really would. I was picturing him suing a cat and being very <laughs> serious about it. Um, so, but that went up, Jimquisition. Uh, also, Jim and the Artsy's Rhyme Down Spectacular this week um, is only on escapismagazine.com. You won't see that on the Destructoid front page because it's a non-gaming one. Uh, so we're not just doing game ones on it. Uh, it, it. Both of our stories were Star Wars related, our poems, because it's Star Wars week on The Escapist. He did one about the Sarlacc Pit, and I did one about the Star Wars Bounty Hunters. They're pretty good. Uh, also, Movie Defense Force this week is also on The Escapist. And, well, I said it's Star Wars week. I will be defending a Star Wars film that people say is bad, dearie me. I wonder which one it is. Is it the Ewok Adventure? I was just going to say that. Was it? Uh, it's Caravan of Courage is the first one. And the second one is called uh, Battle of Endor. I, I think. It, 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 it will be a thing. I can't wait to see it. Uh, so what are you doing, Jonathan? Ah, I am going to post the rerun of Last Sunday Subholmes with Sean Velasco, who uh, he's probably going to do a cameo in Teenage Pokemon Season 2. He loves talking to women about video games now. He's been writing me emails being like, I can't stop singing it, which I really didn't expect. Which it's is fucking crazy. addictive. Are you kidding? I get I don't that know. song stuck in my head at least once a week. I just listened That's not to the an al- exaggeration. I thought it sucked. I put out the album and I thought all the, the guest songs were good, or uh, good to great. But all the stuff I did, I was like, I'm sorry, everybody. But I got to do something. But it's been like a year, and I listened to it again, and uh, there's some stuff on there I forgot I even did. I'm like, some of this is all right. Weird. I, I don't hate this. So anyway, yeah, um, that's fun. Yeah, that's just a dollar. You guys should go get that thing. It's got like 37 songs on it. Jim, you have two songs on there, for Christ's sake. Did you know that, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, I love your songs. It was, it a, was a sad time. I love them. It was a I sad was, time for music. I was Dark really... Days. 
I was listening to it last night, and and when you were like motherfucking Donkey Kong, I was like, this is good. He was inspired. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I'm off topic. The stuff Holmes with Sean Velasco, their animator for Shovel Knight, was, and their uh, character designer and production art creator, Aaron. We did a, a podcast with them. We talked about why some Kickstarters do well and some do bad. We talked about uh, him sh- uh, splitting from Way Forward. We talked about game design stuff. We talked about the worst Mega Man game, which we decided was Mega Man 4. We, we were on and on. It was very nice to talk with them. That should be rerun on iTunes and on YouTube pretty soon. Uh, by uh, the time people hear this or shortly thereafter, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it up on Detroit's front page as well. Um, this Sunday, and I wonder if this is true, I hope so, according to the schedule, Richard Hoffmeyer, uh, who created Cart Life, which won uh, pretty big at the IGFs this year, is supposed to be on. Uh, I remember asking him to be on, and he said yes, but Richard Hoffmeyer, I've, I've heard so many different things about him. Uh, for people who don't know, Cart Life is a game about different people who work at a stand or a cart just selling items like bagels or newspapers. And it's black and white. It's, it's uh, incredibly depressing, though still kind of cute and fun at the same time. Uh, a lot of people think it's the best game ever made, or at least one of the most touching games ever made. Uh, made by this guy, Richard Hoffmeyer, who, from what I have heard, Richard Hoffmeyer isn't a real person. It's like a collective of people who each don the name Richard Hoffmeyer every few months and make some stuff, be it paintings, music, now video games. And then, like, in a few months, he has to stop being Richard Hoffmeyer and someone else gets to be him. That's what I've heard. I don't even know if this guy's real, let alone if he's going to be on the show this this week. Oh, for Christ's sake. This is what I've heard about Richard Hoffmeyer. I don't know if it's true because I didn't ask Richard Hoffmeyer, but I don't even know if he really is... Richard Hoffmeyer. He could be Dennis Quaid for all I know. I have no idea. So this Sunday, something will happen on Sub Holmes. 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, streaming on Twitch TV and on the Destructoid front page on Sunday. It might be Richard Hoffmeyer there. I hope so. And I think that's everything I'm doing. Uh, let's see. This week, um, well, I got some couch campaign going on. Actually, uh, going up today so you can go to detoid and watch this or, or whatever we're going to put up uh we're continuing guacamole which has been a lot of fun uh enjoying that but uh we're gonna sort of chuck in captain commando oh wow yeah we played that uh the last arcade week. game uh, well the super nintendo port oh cool it. yeah so we uh yeah we played a, a session of that i mean that's just like one episode really so we're just throwing it in there so there's something new and fresh. And then we're also going to be releasing uh, another Guacamelee episode today. So there's that. And then there will be some more Guacamelee on Friday for that. Uh, the question this week, we were asking what people were uh, anticipating out of the uh, Xbox reveal mm. on uh, May 21st. Got some interesting responses to that in the comments. But a lot of people seem kind of, I don't know, disinterested is the term. But people well, don't seem that, enthusiastic in the way that you expect, you know, there to be some excitement no. for a hardware reveal. That was in the the responses, uh, the comments, and in our uh, video. Uh, yeah. Instructoid staff seemed a little eh, and then everyone else seemed a little eh, too. It was surprising. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, they can show something that really sort of turns that around. Because um, I mean, I I'm, but it, I I fully expect that it's just going to be a whole lot of puffing. You know, look at all these great ways we're taking over the living room and let's mm-hmm. focus on games and that just doesn't appeal to me so uh you can watch the responses to that uh i deep throat a banana so all of the pod toy <laughs> listeners will enjoy that uh that's at the end of the video um as long as you watch the ad in the beginning i don't care if you cut ahead to the end what do i care <laughs> Uh, and I think that's pretty much it for me. Um, I just mm. remembered you also put up another talk fast with Electronic Superjoy people. Oh, yes, that did go up, and there'll probably be another one that goes up on Friday again. Oh, that's exciting. Just, I'm just saying, I'm, I think what I'm going to do is, as we have some of these things that are sitting around, I'm just going to put them out, like, once a week. and Good, that's good for me. So, yes, that was a cute one. Yeah, that one was cute. Yeah, I like those people, and the game looks really fun, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's it. it. Did we do a show? Yeah. We did a long show. I've been holding my pee for like two hours. Exciting and fun to talk to. That's why I keep coming back. And people, I instinctively the people who were... hit stop record. For some reason, I just, on instinct, just hit stop record. I'm recording again now, but there's going to be this weird cut halfway through because I'm not going to edit anything to make it make sense for the listener. I'm just going to put it together. Well, uh, just, we talked a lot about games this week. That's not setting. Started right in on it. Yeah. You're, you're um, ready to stop. Again, like I say, I mean, if people want to give us money on Kickstarter, we can get rid of the game talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's only there because we have to have it there. Uh, if we weren't, you know, beholden to the fact that we were a video games podcast and therefore had to have video game content in there. You know, if we could break away from that, we yeah. would do it. We would do it in a heartbeat. That way we wouldn't be relying on the, the bribe money from EA. Exactly. But, uh, you know, we're going to need crowdfunding to make that a reality. And that's where you guys come in. Go spread the word. Give us money. Yeah. If you donate $250, you get an MP3 of me going, uh... If you uh, if you go over five hundred dollars, I will retweet a photo of a cum tribute. <laughs> Whoa, a retweet, which you have to provide us, obviously, first. Um, I think that's it. Oh no, no, I'm providing the cum tribute. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's worth Gross. twice the money. Gross. I mean, I mean, it's not my cum, and it's not a photo of me. I will go on the internet, find a cum tribute, and then retweet it. There's plenty around. Yeah, that's what I will do if you donate $500 to the uh, Podtoid Kickstarter. You've got my money. There you go. And hopefully we've got your time next week, listeners. (laughs) 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 We'll see you next week, you juicy boys. Oh, jeez.